we're working with a woman who started a thing called the Sound Bar, which is basically utilizing our music and a spa situation where people come in with headphones and there's little meditation cushions and they sit down and take a 30 minutes, 45 minutes out of their day to, to devote towards meditation. Mm. So veterans started coming into her Sound Bar and the veterans, uh, one of the one the testimonials that we're going to have on video very soon, there was a veteran that was on 13 medications and mm. just in a month of working with the music through the sound bar he's down to two pills wow. and major changes in his life and he just was raving you know to the sound bar about how powerful this was that he started bringing other veteran friends to experience this and so it's just something that now we're setting up a clinical trial with the veterans welcome to living 4d with paul check today paul welcomed back musician poet, artist, and author, Ian Morris. Ian is the founder of Listening to Smile and creates healing, frequency-minded music for personal growth and well-being. The company grew out of Ian's personal experience during a time of very poor health. As a multi-instrumentalist, he instinctively sought solace in music and began to study the sacred healing potentials of sound and vibration. What can then best be described as a combination of divine inspiration, timing, and skill set all merged. He began creating and producing compositions of tones and frequencies, which led him to personally reclaim his health, and he now shares his method through music for individuals, wellness practitioners, and workplace wellness programs, as well as one-to-one coaching. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. And now here is Paul talking with Ian about finding your frequency. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Super excited today. I've got my buddy Ian Morris back visiting us here at the Rainbow. And I'm sure those of you that listened to my first podcast with Ian already know Ian makes amazing music. And we began today by making music to get ready to do the podcast together and to harmonize. So Ian, welcome back, bud. Oh, thanks, man. I'm so excited to be here. It's been fun hanging out. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh it's been a lot well, you were here how long ago? Uh January. January, a lot's happened. You've been busy with life and the growth of your business and all sorts of exciting and interesting changes in your life. But uh you've been up to a lot and uh boy, I'll tell you what, I sure had a hell of a positive response from that podcast we did together. How about you? Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's a lot of really positive feedback. People saying that uh, they saw parts of me that they had never seen, you know, just friends and then just yeah. new people from the, the outside world coming in saying, oh, you know, I really found your music through Paul Check and this was a blessing and it was just really cool to connect with so many new people. Well, we might have to do some psychic surgery today and get some new parts of you out on the table. Yeah, yeah. Bring the best of you to the table again. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, uh, we covered quite a lot in the first interview, but since then, you know, we've been in contact quite often and I was really touched by the, uh, testimonials you sent me from the veteran, um, yeah. that, uh, had really had a healing effect from your music. And I know you've been working with traumatized veterans to help them heal using your music. How have they responded? And, and um, 
maybe you can share how that's all unfolding and what you're up to with the veterans, because that's a group of people that has really struggled to find um, find their center in many ways. Yeah. So we're working with two groups. There's a group in, in uh, Seattle, oh, Tacoma, Washington area, uh, called Veterans Rights, and they are working with it uh, on a weekly and monthly basis there with the guys. And um, the feedback, you know, I've done some sessions with them live over Zoom, and it's just been really amazing. The, the testimonials and feedback of, like, everything from pain relief to just releasing trauma, you know, crying tears, mm. and just let goes you know um mm -hmm. and just people saying it's really helped their overall mental stability um having that you know new piece that a lot of them had never explored music in that way so that was really powerful and just the ongoing process of that they're finding new ways to implement it into different programs with the veterans and then on the east coast we're working with a, a woman who started a thing called the sound bar which is basically utilizing our music and a spa situation where people come in with headphones and there's little meditation cushions and they sit down and take a 30 minutes, 45 minutes out of their day to, to devote towards meditation. Mm. So veterans started coming into her sound bar and the veterans, uh, one of the one the testimonials that we're going to have on video very soon, uh, there was a veteran that was on 13 medications and mm. just in a month of working with the music through the sound bar, he's down to two pills wow. and major changes in his life and he just was raving you know to the sound bar about how powerful this was that he started bringing other veteran friends to experience this and so it's just something that now we're setting up a clinical trial with the veterans uh, with a PhD candidate that is really interested in how this music is affecting you know, the overall mental stability and just health of these veterans. So it's, it's going to be really cool this coming year to see that clinical trial go. I'm curious, you know, how do you, how do you access that music when you're creating it? Or it, it do you, do you find the traumatized broken parts of yourself and, and use that as the vehicle of, of how to, structure the music in order to bring about a, a shift in yourself knowing that there's parallels between other people or or how do you how do you do that well i think there's two ways uh one is by creating a, a music album that is the collective energy you know using the astrology information that's coming in mm -hmm. um i really wanted to not prepare the music in a way that was from just a selfish standpoint you know mm -hmm. so it was basically looking at those energies that are coming in and saying with a group of people you know uh, astrologers and, and having conversations um well, what chakras do you think are affected by this and then having these conversations with a group of people that are part of my team and then i go into meditation you know before i create the music and in the beginning i've been doing this for seven years now you know creating this these albums in the beginning i think it was really painful because it was almost like a method actor who would go revisit this pain or trauma and pull it into this 
moment for mm -hmm. the scene, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that eventually I started looking at it in a different way over the years, you know, that maturity. Um, I remember Greg Braden talking about going to visit a, a, a rain dance ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful ceremony. Yeah, and he said that he was expecting this elaborate production, you know, that it was going to be this big deal. And he said this guy drove him to the top of a mountain. They stood there. He bowed his head. A few minutes, he looked up. He goes, okay, we're ready. <laughs> and so he said a few minutes later, the rain started, you know, coming. And he said that this guy was so evolved in his practice that it was just straight to spirit, you know, just. And so instead of me visiting those hard parts, I started really looking at the perspective shift of um, wanting to be a part of that humbling situation of being a part of the release work and the healing and just really asking spirit to work through me in those meditations and mm -hmm. to just really prepare something that was going to be utilized in a wide variety, of a whole plethora of different situations for people and just trying to provide uh, the channel for that to happen. And so, you know, you can't please everyone all the time, but hopefully you do, mm. you know, in, in the creation of that album, people find something that they really connect to and respond with. Well, yeah, you can't please everybody all the time, but, you know, Jung speaks of the objective psyche. Are you familiar with that concept? Yes. So inside the objective psyche, you have all the archetypes and... You have all the forces of consciousness or the psyche that are common to all of us. So, you know, you can have the the wounded warrior, right, which is a part of the archetype of the warrior. And then you can access the archetype of the wounded warrior. And so, because there's something common in all wounded warriors, right? They're like, they're, they're warriors, they're wounded. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, you know, many, many paralleling themes right so yeah. uh you know it could be everything like from the pain of separation the loss of brotherhood the um the trauma of having to kill people yeah. that are human beings um the fear of not coming home and the fear often of coming home mm. because sadly you know soldiers used to get a warm reception when they come home but you know, Vietnam was kind of the beginning of a shift in the psyche of, I would say, the Western population at least, where they came home to this sort of emptiness, you know. Right. And then they're coming into a world that moves very, very slowly compared to the intensity of what they're used to. Um, the reason I'm bringing that up is I'm curious when you're, when you're working with the astrological energies, how are you engaging those energies? So, basically each month what I'm trying to do is accentuate the more playful energies and kind of alleviate, uh, have things that are set up to either ground or release, dissipate, create movement of stagnant energy in an individual. And so we're working with everything from body organ frequencies to chakra frequencies, but also planetary frequencies. Mm -hmm. So um, if there's a planet that's in heavy 
you know, a heavy energy or like a retrograde or something like that. We want to do something that puts it in a direct, using that frequency, setting an intention, and then using that as if it were direct. So you're creating a balance and the individual who's working with that. And sometimes even on personal, like frequency coaching sessions, we'll even work with a person's, you know, Western and Vedic astrology mm-hmm. and, the, and the creation of custom tracks for them. So it mm-hmm. just really depends on the approach, but... I mean, though, are you working it with it with it by reading an astrological report and then using your mind's concepts of what each planet, house, moon, star represents, or are you opening yourself to those intelligences and letting them speak through you directly? How are, how are you making that? bridging the gap between the objective psyche and your instruments. Yeah, we're trying I'm trying to do both. So that's what I'm doing is creating something where we're getting a report, I'm having discussion with the astrologers directly, we're having open conversations, and then I'm going into meditation and doing a channeling which is basically taking that information into account but then also off, oftentimes there's times when I'm in those reports and I'm like okay I have an idea based on this conversation where we're going with this and then I get into the the meditation and the channeling and it's completely different I've even had things where I've lost complete songs like they just got deleted yeah you're telling me about that well yeah back. that's very interesting yeah yeah and, and and the losing of the complete song what do you think that is I think it's spirit moving me in a different direction. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, just to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, this isn't it. This isn't it. So yeah. let's go with something new. And a lot of times, even this this past month for the October album, I had two songs that were ready to go, and Spirit just really moved me in the last three days to create two new tracks from scratch. And I just felt very positive about them and the placement of the album, and just they came through in just a very open and clear, direct way that they just let me know they were supposed to be on that album. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, uh, it brings up a thought in me. Um, There's a lot of PTSD from COVID now. I mean, geez, especially amongst the kids. Um, You got your guitar there. I'm curious, could you kind of let your soul play some trauma healing music for everybody that's found themselves in a broken family and a broken-hearted situation because of covid yeah so some of my favorite chords are these these kind of jazz chords these they just have a very powerful feeling to them the, mm-hmm. and then when you put them together in progressions they just have really they're just beautiful to me and i feel like a lot of the people when we put these these chords and these progressions together have really powerful movement in their body. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just do a little finger picking, very inspired by uh, the Beatles. So the, that's the uh, Blackbirds by the Beatles, right? So uh-huh. by taking those kind of uh, progr- like finger picking styles and turning it into some of these chord progressions like... I 
haven't got time for the pain I've been crying all night Yet I hope for rain I just haven't got time for pain Time for pain, yet I hope for rain, more rain to wash away my pain. I haven't got time, I haven't got time for pain. Yeah, here I am hoping for rain Come and wash away my pain Wash it all away Begging for clouds, begging for rain to wash away my pain. Haven't got time, haven't got time for pain. Soon enough, the clouds will part. The sun will be here again. That's just what came to me when you were playing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So I just let it come. Yeah. That's awesome. That was fun. Yeah. It's I, I feel better. <laughs> I don't know. There yeah. must have been something in there that needed a little juice, a little dissolving. Yeah. A little alchemy. Yeah. I like that. I wish I could play instruments like you do because boy, I'll tell you what, I have so much that I want to get out. That's why I paint, because it's Kind of, uh, you know, coloring the music, really, I guess. Coloring, yeah. painting the color. Uh, you know, it's all frequency, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think's going on with all this stuff? Well, I think creativity is one of the highest forms of healing, you know, and it's not just, it's a double-edged sword with that, you know, it's like one way the person who's creating it is having this expression and this release work. And like you said, working with colors, uh, poetry, music, mm -hmm. dance, like when you move your body, you know, yeah. um, you're moving energy. And, uh, but the other side of it is you create these children that go out into the world. We were just talking about this earlier with the podcast, how it's affected so many people and brought people together and new connections, new businesses working together. Um, and so you've created something that not only was a creative expression and a form of healing for yourself, but now it goes on as its own entity 
that's connecting people and, and helping people heal and release and and maybe even triggering some people you know that that's another form of healing right yeah, yeah. well you know that that's how you find where all your hidden stuff is yeah you know it's uh that's why i say if you want to meet the devil just pick a fight with jesus <laughs> meaning everybody that's you know got their own fixed ideas about jesus all you got to do is say anything that goes against him and then the devil comes out and, yeah and and i think sometimes you know we we don't think we have emotions about something or whatever but somebody says something to you and then the devil comes out you know yeah and then once you see the devil you know where to look into your unconscious because you just got the alarm bell yeah you know so yeah i think collectively it's uh it's a good time for us all to look at what's you know triggering us because if we don't look at it we're going to keep creating it over and over again do you think that i mean this is a bit of a deep philosophical question but do you think that the music can actually heal at the roots or do you think it's more of a salve that allows us the stability or the safety we need to get down to the roots so that we can pull the pull the roots out ourselves or what is it a combination or what do you think i think that like with me, um, you know, I was 320 pounds and people say, you know, did the music help you lose the weight? And I say, uh, no, the music helped me with my brain. <laughs> you know, it, it helped me get a new perspective and it gave me a tool that gave me relaxation, which brought more sleep. More sleep brought more stability of systems and more, better, you know, better judgment in the moment for choices of food and things of that nature. And it just gradually was a process. All these multifacets came together, but it started with the mind. Mm -hmm. And so, like, someone asked me one time on a podcast, what is the first thing you would tell someone about healing themselves? And I will say, your mindset. Because your mindset is something you work on internally, mm -hmm. the, the vocabulary you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would not have been able to change that without the music. The mm -hmm. music helped me make that mental shift, and the mental shift made me have plans of action, and it gave me a sense of hope to like move forward. So I think, for me, the music is, I call it, you know, what we do, frequency-minded music. Mm -hmm. But in that, I think that, what we're doing is targeting the stress response of the body. So you're giving someone a baseline that they're able to approach a problem or an issue or a disease from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts in the mind. And I think that on the secondary level or the sub-level of that is that you're really working on expanding consciousness and awareness. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people who consistently listen to the frequency music will say when they go outside, I hear the birds more. Mm -hmm. I hear the tree leaves mm -hmm. rustling in the breeze and mm -hmm. I never noticed those before. Did the music put like do that to me? And I said, no, you did that to you. But well, the tones helped you to, your brain now is more aware of these frequencies and nature because you've exposed yourself to them. I think too, though, having listened to quite a bit of your music, I mean, I've listened to your music for multiple days in a row because I'm writing and, and it just turns out that your music is actually really good for my writing. Yeah. I, I, I play the pain and the anxiety tracks. Yeah. Not because I'm suffering pain and anxiety, but because the 
frequency and the energy of those tracks, the way I can best describe it in my third eye, when I think of your music, I see paradoxically a hot ice cube melting. And so because I'm trying to release I'm trying to release a message from myself, the vision I get is that the the music that you've made to help with anxiety and pain actually if the information I have bottled up in me is like the ice cube, it's as though that the music is letting it drip right out through my fingers into the keyboard. And so I feel like I'm almost like laying in this river and it's taking me where I need to go. Yeah. And I find that um, I don't find thinking helpful when I'm writing paradoxically. Yeah. Like I'm not actually sitting there thinking, Oh, what do I want to say now? It's more like, kind of like when you write poetry you you know when you sometimes you can go back and restructure it and then think about it and you'd say okay i can make it better but initially you know how it comes it's like um it's like uh the next breath or like an orgasm it just starts rolling on its own and the next thing you know it's on the paper right and so i find that when i'm listening to your pain and anxiety music and i have your the other ones that you've given me as well i listen to them all but i find that i i have periods where like four or five hours goes by and it feels like i've only been writing for like 20 minutes or something and yeah I'm like, you know like wow you know it's three <laughs> o'clock and i haven't even eaten lunch you know yeah, i haven't yeah. eaten since like eight o'clock this morning Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. You know, our greatest sense of love, freedom, joy, and connection to others occurs when we become invaluable to them. The way to do that is called Gong Fu. Gong Fu means the development of mastery. When we develop mastery as a truly holistic exercise and holistic lifestyle professional, we have and exemplify mastery in the areas most everyone needs help with. The cultivation of happiness, how to strengthen and vitalize our body through the scientific application of exercise, the principles of holistic eating, and the science of using sleep, rest, and introspection to regenerate ourselves optimally. Naturally, such mastery means higher income, more regular income, more word-of-mouth marketing, which is the most effective and least time-consuming means of marketing. Those with masteries always have people seeking their wisdom and help, regardless of how good or poor the economy is. Naturally, I've been honest in my critique of the fitness industry over the years, but trainers, strength coaches, holistic health coaches, and other members of the industry have a huge potential to change their clients' lives. They just need the right training and to take advantage of that potential to develop mastery. So this Black Friday, November 25th through 28th, we're holding a very special sale to help you realize your potential as a trainer or coach or to make yourself invaluable to your clients. Whatever your goals, whether it's opening a new practice, finally becoming a full-time check professional, specializing in your practice, or just filling the gap in your skill set, we have a course for you. For easy, time-efficient learning in the comfort of your own home, check out our online courses and promos at blackfriday.chekinstitute.com. That's blackfriday.chekinstitute.com. Purchase one e-learning course and receive a 10% discount on your order. Purchase two e-learning courses and receive a 20% discount. And if you purchase three e-learning courses, you receive a 30% discount on your order. 
For our advanced training programs, enroll in your advanced training program course pay up front and save $660 when you enroll or choose an extended payment plan of up to 11 months and save $330. Become invaluable now. Go to blackfriday.chekinstitute.com and take advantage of these incredible offers. The sale starts Thursday, November 25th and runs through Monday, November 28th. Here's an insider tip. If you go to the link provided, you can sign up for early access to the sale and save your place in an advanced training program before the seats fill up. Everyone you help create more freedom and live pain-free will be more than glad you did. And you will too. After all, what's more rewarding than being invaluable because you are helping people look and feel better each day? Again, go to blackfriday.checkinstitute.com. I think that your music and music in general can create a state shift. And I think when people are wounded or scared or depressed or sad, it's almost like a record gets stuck in a groove, you know, and it just repeats over and over again. Right. And I think that's a problem because if you're not careful, you can, you can be so caught in the, reverberation the echo Mm -hmm. that you don't realize that you're actually um you're taking yourself out of the moment where you could be creative and have a solution but you're caught in the traumatic experience so it ends up painting your eyes with these colors and i uh, the darkness of the event you know the or the trauma and i think for me listening to music and your music it's almost like an alchemy you know they call it sublimation to rise above so i think you know just like if you throw a handful of rose petals into a flowing river it's a long time before they go under yeah right they ride on the surface of that and so i think it's a metaphor for that when you're when you're listening to healing music instead of being caught in the the rapids you get pulled up like the rose petals and you're kind of riding the wave you're riding the wave and you can also all of a sudden you can see that you're in the middle of higher dimensions or possibilities and where you've come from down below and you know that you don't want to drown in it and so you can sort of climb up yeah um could you could you play us a little sublimation music like taking us out of the darkness of the water and bringing us up toward the sunlight sure um that's why I love Herb Albert. Her, yeah. Because his music's all happy, you know? Yeah, very happy. And, and you know, all the songs when I was a kid on the radio, Herb, Herb Albert, it's A-L-P-E-R-T. If you ever want to listen, watch a great documentary, everybody go on Amazon and look for Herb Albert is. It's phenomenal. <clears throat> but anyhow, you know, that the way his music can make you want to dance and bring you up out of it. I don't, I don't you know, per- personally, if someone told me that my house just caught on fire and, and then they put on some Herb Albert, I'd probably dance my way over to check the house out and say, oh, well, I guess <laughs> yeah. we can build another one. Yeah. Well, um, let's do some more like strumming chords. Um, the, uh, so it's, it's really interesting with music too. So, um, 
I had some friends that were saying, hey, I really like metal music. And I said, that's cool, you know. And they were like, well, I can meditate to that. And, I said, <laughs> and so I said, okay, cool. And I was like, I, I personally can. I used to like heavier music when I was younger, but I kind of, you know, grew out of that, I guess, or not saying there's anything wrong with it, but, uh, and, you know, everyone's teach their own, right? But the, uh, I think what's interesting is that one man's ceiling is another man's floor. So I think like music is this thing that communicates to people uh, without vocabulary or language. And it's it's a, a language of its own, you know, without words, I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I think it's more related to the emotional yes. body where words tap into the ego's intellect. Yes, yes. And so um, you were talking about the periscope, you know, and yeah. how painting brings that brings you from this tunnel vision into this wider scope. And I think... Um, for me, when I hear chords that are strummed and they sustain, mm-hmm. and then you, it's like what's really happening there is not the chords, it's the space in between the chords, mm-hmm. right? So it's the. So you have this, these, um, this longing, and I think that it connects with people on like a soul level where it's like, it almost forces them like, what's coming next? You know what I mean? Like the anticipation of like what's what's coming next. And so for me, I always find it to be really uplifting and hopeful when I hear chords that have these spaces in between them. And a lot of my music, you'll see that I give that space there and it's very minimal, but it just feels so good. And it, I think it helps people to take pause, you know? And then you have like... So, like, this is a great example of how you can do that. It's something, I always call it subtly epic, right? So it's like you're grabbing a person's attention. It's very minimal. And then you have these pauses that's making them pause for a second, reflect what's coming next. And then you take them into some happy strums, like... It's like, I just think it's really neat that you can really affect mood by just those little subtle dynamics and songs like that. Yeah, I love it. I, I um, while you were playing that, especially when you were strumming and leaving the gap, all of a sudden in my third eye, I saw a great big white Persian cat and a woman's hand reaching out to stroke the cat with each time you stroke the chords, oh. the cat got stroked and the cat started to purr and it looked right at me with its big eyes. <laughs> so, you know, that's neat too, because cats are very therapeutic for traumatized people. Yeah, and I think that right there, the imagery that just came to you, think of it as an artist or a poet, music is so influential in that creation process because it sets this mind canvas, you know, going mm-hmm. into that imagination land. And uh, I think music is so inspiring for a lot of you know, production, creativity, all those types of things. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, you know, and we're really we're really talking a lot about the spirit of music, right? The 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 healing power, the creativity, the flow of it, and just the depth and the dimension of it, and you know, how it can be used to touch you emotionally, it can be used to express 
concepts or ideas. I mean, it's vast, as you know. Of course, you know. Yeah. But it, the, the the reason I'm bringing that up is because, sadly, we're really experiencing the death of music. Um, and this is something that you've expressed concern to me. And and you know, interestingly enough, I had listened to Victor Wooten's uh, fairly recent book, The Spirit of Music. Uh, I'd I'd studied his book, The Music Lesson, very thoroughly. I probably went through it three times because yeah. it was such a profound book. And in, in the spirit of the music, he he really in the spirit of music, he talks about how all the digital recording and all the uh, he gives an example. He says, you know, when you the difference between listening to music the way it's supposed to be listened to, like we would have listened to it around a campfire or or to play together in tribes or 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 just you know getting together to make music. He says if if you take that experience and put it on a one square foot sheet of paper, he says by the time the music industry has taken that and put it onto something that you can listen to on your headphones and your iPhone, you're you're down to about one square centimeter of that paper. Yeah. And so he talks about how it's it's really deadening the experience. And then, you know, he's also talking about a lot of the things. And it's funny because I, I like to watch documentaries on famous musicians because I love music, but I love their stories. I love their yeah. personal story. You know, like uh, some of my favorites are, you know, some good, good videos on Roy Orbison and, and his music is so profound and a lot of it's about the pain he went through and linda ronstadt is another just amazing musician and their music is it's so dynamic and so rich and so full and and for me having had the experience of listening to their music on a really good stereo system on a cd which has got a quite a density uh, it's quite it's quite a high density file and then listening to that to hear that on on a digital format, like I I know when I hook my iPhone, for example, to my stereo, it's like someone just flattened the whole thing out. Yeah, you know, versus yeah. versus a CD, but you know, a high quality record player, which I used to have a a beautiful exotic stereo with a record player with a turntable, and that was an, another dimension uh, altogether. Um, but Victor Wooten, of course, is is really concerned about how the music industry is really just taking the spirit out of music. Yeah. And then there's all these other issues uh, of them using music to manipulate people's minds and and the changing of the frequencies. So, um, maybe you can comment on what your thoughts, feelings, and concerns are, and also, you know the difference between music, like you see, you just created music spontaneously. I just started singing spontaneously. I'd never heard you do that before. I, those words just flowed out of me. I just didn't block them. I just right. let them go because yeah. they wanted to come out. And I thought, well, that's what we're here to do. Um, and then, you know, and then there's the other issue, you know, the, all these algorithms and, and the, I'll tell you what, I got to admit something. Yeah. I have a fucking problem with this algorithm concept everywhere I go. I mean, I've been a therapist for a long time, and ever since they started getting computers involved in therapy, there's just algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. I'm like, I don't freaking want to hear about your algorithms. 
for a simple reason, algorithms are typically made out of mass averages. Right. So, you know, if you want to do a, a calorie counter for somebody, you you say, okay, you know, let's take a thousand people and see how much calories they burn. And then you have some people that are burning a lot and some that are burning hardly any. So your algorithm is kind of like an average of that. Right. And the analogy I give people for that is to show them how dangerous that is. They say, look, I learned this studying Marie-Louise von Franz, uh, who was Jung's assistant for a long, long time. Very, very smart. She said, do you realize that in a, in a pile of stones that has 10 tons of stone in it, with an average weight of two kilograms, you may never find a two kilogram stone if you look through those stones individually. Wow. Right? So yeah. if you think about it, imagine, imagine like two dump truck loads full of stone with an average weight of two kilograms, but you can't find a single two kilogram stone. Why is that important? Because each of us is an individual. Yes. So we represent that two kilogram stone but here the algorithm's supposed to be representing us but we're not there yeah we're not being addressed we're not even being addressed right so what what happens is it takes you know it's like following a recipe card to do therapy mm -hmm. I, you know and that's one of the things that's been so challenging for my students because they're used to being told what to do all the time right but I, I'm saying I'm not here to tell you what to do because in order to do that I'd have to be there with you for every single client and then I'd be doing the therapy and so what would be the point you know, each individual, you know, we can say, okay, they've got pain or they've got imbalance or they have um, a relationship crisis to work through or any number of things. But if we put them into an algorithm, we take away the human connection. And then now you've got robotic therapy. As that's the closest you could come. Right. And, and that would be like having a robot for a cat instead of that Persian cat that I saw that purrs and looks me in the eyes and, and knows there's a relationship going on. Right. And so, uh, you know, as a musician, it's certainly got to be, well, instead of saying what it's got to be, what does it do to you? <laughs> what happens to you when you, when you watch all this in the news and you hear about it, you witness it, not to mention what you've told me earlier is that now they're just using it to rip musicians off. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot here. I want to say Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> no, no. I filled your cup up. Yeah, you did, you did. So let's go back real quick to talk about Victor Wooten. First of all, bass player, Bela Fleck, Fleck Tones, all, I mean, just tremendous musician. Mm -hmm. um, amazing guy. I, yeah. lo I love lo watching interviews with him. Uh, but what I was going to say is, I remember seeing an interview with him talking about them touring Africa. You mm -hmm. know, they went on an African tour and he was talking about the difference of the way people received the music. Mm -hmm. And he said that the entire village came out and that they cooked and they danced and they they talked and communicated and had this huge open, free expression and everyone was excited. And then he talked about going on tour in the US or Europe and how different people were to receive the music, that it was almost a ceremonial, ritualistic um, embrace in Africa, you know, in that each small village that they toured, like everyone in the village came out, everyone. And it was just a celebration, dancing, all of that. So 
I get that because when you look as a modern musician, I, you know, I've talked to friends about this all because music has been so disrespected. Um, there's two things in that for me. One, the, the studio has become such an instrument and so I'm able to convey so much as one person in the studio and to create this, um, the music and the way that it comes from my heart and my soul and can interpret it for the world to receive it that way. Um, it's such a playground, you know, mm-hmm. there's people that I've brought into the studio and teaching them how to do these things. And about an hour in, they're like, dude, I could get lost in here for days. And I was like, I do, I do yeah. get, I do get yeah. lost in here for days. But my point is, is just music has been so disrespected. And when you hear people like, you know, Victor Wooten and, and big musicians, Eric Clapton, just people talk about it all the time, how much it's been degraded. So I think like, Music is unlike anything else. It's mathematical. It's magical. It's um, ceremonial. It's uh, taps into the soul, to those feelings, you know, um, in ways that a lot of things can't. And when you look at the enhancement that music brings to like movies, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, um, it's a really powerful tool. So for awakening, for for conscious expansion. So, um. Yeah, so as far as um, music uh, with, you know, ripping off musicians and things, like you go back to Napster, uh, I was, you know, in that heyday, you know, coming up when all that was going on. And uh, What is Napster? I mean, I know what it is, but maybe people don't. Yeah, yeah, it was a platform that a kid started in his college dorm room, and it was basically ripping uh, music to the internet for free and everyone could have access and download it for free. And there was a huge uh, gold rush, you know, everyone's like, oh, free music. And so um, there's two things in this for me. I was one of those people, there was lots of people all over the world that, you know, that joined in on on that. And uh, it was the first time that people had access to music in that way. And it was a beautiful thing and a horrible thing all at the same time, you know? So what I always tell people is when that comes up, I said, how many songs did you download that you never listened to? And a lot of people are like, oh, a lot of them. I never, and I said, because there was no value associated in that intake. Like you took the music and there was no value. There's no exchange. Exactly. And so you didn't really care if you ever got to it or not. So I was saying, when you pay for something, you're literally giving time and energy to this person who put their time and energy. That's the boomerang of love. Exactly. Exactly. And so, but now you're more invested. You're going to spend more time with that music and it's going to be something that you um absorb you know in your soul in your physical body and i think that um it's just really interesting uh how that one act really decimated the industry and the industry was not ready for transitioning to an online platform they had such a deadlock of the market with the albums and the cds for such a, a long time they never had the future you know insight to look at what was coming down the pike and they lost it. You know, the tech industry took over music. And so... You mean the musicians didn't have the ability to look down the pipe. Right. Down the, into, the, into the crystal ball of the future. Yeah. There must be, you know, there's, there's always a blessing in every curse. So let's do a little shadow work. What's the, what's the blessing in that curse? The blessing, I think, for me personally, is that I see that it makes us 
become more creative in how we approach the distribution of our music and then the types of people that we're engaging with. I think um, someone asked me, like, what's the audience for your music? And I said, open-hearted, open-minded people. You know, that's who I want to connect with. And mm. And, um, and I think that we get more real about who we're wanting to connect with, and then we get more creative in how we're connecting with those people. And that's what I've tried to do with listening to Smile with the business, as um, create a new paradigm of exchange and value. Yeah. I think also the uh, gift is for artists to take more responsibility for how their music is managed disseminated and not you see because what i've seen from a life of looking at these issues and studying countless documentaries of musicians who are shedding many tears about i mean look at the story of george michael yeah and his huge lawsuit with uh whoever it was that was managing i can't remember who but you know basically it got him when he was young and you know in in the documentary i watched he, he even talked about the contract and it was you know it's really like a mafioso type agreement you know yeah. like they control every aspect of it and they wouldn't even let him play the music he wants and when linda ronstead wanted to play what she wanted they would always tell her no and she would say well that's too bad i'm gonna do it anyhow yeah and then it became very successful so she had to train them you know mm -hmm. but she never lost control right she right. she you know was probably the first female superstar that really kept her utter her uh, keel on her sailboat and and took responsibility for her own direction even if it meant losing her record deal right and so i think um i think what i'm saying is is that because when musicians are young and up and coming they're often desperate for notoriety and they're desperate for money yes and so those two make for dangerous liaisons yeah Th those two get you in trouble but then you get some musicians, you know, many of which most people wouldn't even know, but they play because they are channeling. I think they're channeling myth. I think they're channeling um, healing. I think they're channeling higher consciousness. Um, even some of the rappers. I mean, I'm not somebody that really likes rap music, but every now and then you come across a rapper who, who the words to their music are so deep and profound yeah. that they take you on a journey of some kind of a self-realization process. Point being is I think that the, the musicians are, are coming to the realization that they, they have to be more conscious of what their dream for their music is and, and for who they want it to get to and for how important it is for it to maintain its authentic structure and its body and its feeling and its tone, or it ends up, becoming something that many of them put a pillow over their head and cry about, you know? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to share Symbiotica's new molecular hydrogen supplement. I don't know if you've studied molecular hydrogen at all, but Dr. Mercola is very big on it, has a number of articles about it. It is a very good free radical scavenger, so it helps protect against oxidative stress, which is a real important thing in our environment today. And some people find that it helps with recovery and improves athletic performance. I've known people who have used it and told me it definitely enhanced things like their deadlift, particularly their performance when doing things like 5Ks and 10Ks. 
molecular hydrogen is made of hydrogen. Hydrogen, you might remember, H2O is the key component next to oxygen in the water molecule. So it's very, very abundant in water throughout our body. But when you take it in this way, it's able to do other things that it can do when it's not coupled with oxygen directly. So it's a very, very hot product out right now. A lot of people speak very highly of it. So with the benefits of free radical scavenging and reducing oxidative stress and potential benefits for enhanced recovery and athletic performance, it's probably a really good thing to give a try because the worst thing that can happen is you'll have a lot better health and better athletic performance. To get 15% of this product and all the other amazing products by Symbiotica, go to symbiotica.com and use the promo code L4D15 at checkout. That's symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com with the promo code capital L, the number four, capital D, and the number one five. Well, what's interesting is recently uh, I've had a lot of younger musicians approaching me saying, how have you done what you've done with your company? Uh, could you help me? You know, those kind of questions. And um, what's interesting is when I'm talking with them, I ask them, I said, you know, the legacy of your music, right? Like I tell them, we're almost at 700 songs in the discography of Listening to Smile. And I said to them, most of the audience that's going to listen to this music hasn't been born yet, right? Yeah, I that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think like I did something that was very different and a little ahead of its time and the entire way I was going against the grain. I mean, everyone, fa family, friends, people around me said... They didn't like the name of my company. They didn't like that I, I, was, love it. I, that I was making upbeat music. You need music. new friends, baby. I know, I know. So there has been a lot of, of shifting of that too, you know. But my, my point is, is just, if I would have listened to anyone, I would not be doing what I'm doing. And Neither would I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, what's really neat is I tell them, think about not what the trend is or the fad or how to make money right now. I'm like, create something that you're proud of and something that you're passionate about, that your heart's into, yeah. that, that that is what's going to connect with people. I said, you know, um, a lot of the new artists, they come in and they have a record label that brings in five producers and here's the template of making the music. Here's how you're going to make a million dollars. Here's what you're going to do to be popular. And then those songs hit the radio waves, they're played out and they're just thrown away yeah. for the next new thing. Mm -hmm. But I told them, I said in the 70s when James Taylor went in the studio with the Beatles at Apple Records, mm -hmm. you know, they, they were like, what kind of album you want to make? Let's put it from your heart. Let's, yes. Let's do this. And that's what Herb Alpert did with A&M. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. His whole thing after being going through this stress mm -hmm. was, I forgot his partner's name, but he said, you know, let's start our own music company and let the musician direct their own music. Right. And so in the documentary, Herb Alpert is, they, they go into that quite a lot. And it was it's really beautiful. And it was sad when he finally decided to sell the company i mean you know herb alpert's like 84 now so yeah. he's still making great music mm -hmm. but he reached the point where he you know he wanted to simplify his life is what it, the message that i got out of it but it was amazing to see some of the 
comments from a lot of the musicians that had worked with them at A&M Records and, 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 and the, the... Sting was the, one of them. Yes. Yeah. The sadness of the fact that that way of relating with musicians was now potentially dying out. Right. Because I think they were the only ones doing that at the time. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is the industry has been dictating to the market. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Sounds like uh, <laughs> the World Economic Forum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So I think like one of my favorite people that I love listening to talk about this is Frank Zappa. Yeah. 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 Frank Zappa had his own record label. Never and- go where the huskies go. <laughs> Never eat that yellow snow. <laughs> like, yeah. Watch out for the doggy do ice cream cone. <laughs> Yes. So he was a a living example of not being afraid of speaking his truth, uh, putting out artistic expression that was from his heart and from his soul that he didn't care what people thought about it. It was just, you're going to accept this or not. And I think like when I really think back about bands that had major impact on me growing up, it was people that you cannot say they sound like anyone else. Like Mm -hmm. The Doors. There's never going to be a band that comes along and you're going to be like, they sound like the doors. Like they were just their own unique sound. You know, Frank Zappa, his own unique sound. Like there's just this really distinctive thing. So my point is, is these are people who were dictating to the market their creative expression and they could care less if you liked it. And then the market responded by saying, we like this, we're going to buy your records. And there was really, because he owned his own record label, there wasn't an industry that was like imposing, you know, these guidelines or templates it brings up a story from the Herb Alpert documentary. Yes. What ultimately led him to starting A&M Records, he was in England, and I forgot the big studio over there, but it's famous, the Beatles. Abbey Road. Abbey Road, I think, yeah. yes. Yeah. And his first observation was the place was sterile. It was like being in a doctor's office. Mm. But he talks about how they had just recorded a track, and he was listening to it in the engineering room, and he thought that the bass needed to come up. So he reached over to the soundboard. And right when he was pulling the bass up, the engineer slapped his hand <laughs> yeah. and then gave him a lecture about how he could lose his job because he's part of a union and he's not allowed to touch that. He doesn't have any training, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it really, it really um, shocked Herb Alpert to his core because he, he said, now I'm, I'm not able to make my own music. Right Now I'm victim to somebody else's ideas yes and here i am the musician and i'm getting my hand slapped for trying to make it better yeah you know and that triggered off his desire to have his own record company um you know so so there's you know that's the that's the unfortunately that's the father archetype yes do what you're told right and there's just too much of that in the world. I mean, as I've said on many podcasts, it's time for humanity to grow up because as long as people keep musicians or otherwise keep letting other people control their lives, they're always in the position of the child. Yeah. And, and you know, children aren't supposed to be tasked with the big decisions of life. That's what mom and dad are for because a child doesn't have enough depth to know what it's like with all the sex change stuff, letting kids make their own decisions about what gender they're going to be in their six and seven years old. My God, that's like putting loaded firearms on the table and say, you guys can play cowboys and Indians with these things. Just be careful. They're loaded. 
yet they don't even really have a clue what that means, right? right? Yeah. And so the point I'm driving at is that, you know, music, food, politics, money, medicine, it's time for us all to start making our own music and take responsibility for what we're producing, either harmony or discord. And then if it is disharmony, then we've got to sit around the campfire and practice making it speak to our heart instead of complaining about how bad Biden or anybody else is, because that's, you know, as long as you keep giving power to people like that, they're always going to just keep using it and abusing it. So I think what I'm seeing in the music industry is that it's a reflection of the psyche of humanity and that it too is putting us back into a child archetype where someone else is controlling it, but we've got to step up and say, okay, wait a minute, that's just like Herb Albert did. I'm going to start my own music studio. I'm going to start my own recording label and no one's going to tell me what to do anymore. That's an adult approach. You created your own system for yes. for um, being paid and getting and for um, disseminating your music and, and for making it fair for the artists. And oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you something interesting happened this morning. Yeah. Oddly enough, Ian Morris is in my house with me here. Mm-hmm. And Hava emails me and says, Paul, I'm in San Diego. Oh, wow. So those that you don't, <laughs> Hava's an amazing singer that I turned Ian on to. Yeah. And absolutely beautiful woman, just like divine mother. Yeah. And uh, so I thought that was wild that Hava is actually in San Diego right when you're here. Yeah, that's so cool. It's trippy, man. Yeah. The, the couple of notes I wrote down, because I didn't want to stop your flow, you know, I was watching, and, and I've had personal conversations with, and I, I uh, by the time this podcast comes out, my podcast with Sean O'Leary will be out. And Sean is a very deep guy and very spiritually tapped in and one of the most amazing people I've ever podcasted with in my life. Catholic priest for 50 years, degree in integral psychology, degree in mathematics, a philosopher, um, speaks six languages, master storyteller, traveled the world. He's in his 70s and he's just still alive and sharp. But what what made me write this down is because he he did a lot of work in in Kenya and and Africa and places like that. And he he said, you'll never find an African with low self-esteem. He's, you know, you're describing how the, when they would come do the concerts that everybody in the whole village would come and sing and dance. Yeah. And, and, and so what he says is that if you look at their creation stories, they're very different than what's in the Bible or in religious scriptures. Right. And they're almost always very empowering. And they're talking about the higher beings or the, the divas or the gods as, as inspirational and, and inspiring us to become more like of them. our potential. Yeah. And so because these, he talks about how in, in a lot of these third world countries, there's two religions, the surface religion, but then the one they really practice. Right. And so he says, when you get down there, he says, this is why they don't have self-esteem problems. But then he was talking on uh, Open Minds with Regina Meredith in a two-part series. It's out right, right now. It's very, very good with another guy. I don't remember his name. He's also very good. But they both had done what would be like missionary work or you know the work of a priest moving around to different countries. And they both stated the same story, even though they were in different regions of the world, that these native peoples had no self-esteem problems because they didn't actually 
buy into right. the canonical versions of scripture yeah. that were often impo- imposed or forced upon them. So it, it seems to me that, you know, what what is organized religion? To canonize something means everyone's going to study that it's the law, it's the way it is, it's the code, it's the <laughs> algorithm, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then to get under that and listen to the stories of our ancestors is really more like sitting here with Ian and his guitar, having the authentic experience of the medicine, so to speak. Right. And 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 so both of these people and Regina chimed in and she said, you know, she had been away. I think she was in Africa or India. I think she was in, and she said, you know, even the very poor people, they are happy and they've got this bubbly spirit. And she said she flew into the London airport and everybody was downturned, their eyes are down, and everyone's looking like they're in this state of complete doldrum and depression. Yeah. And so it, it seems to me that you know, there's a real story being told there, how do you think the way we create or engage music can function like a myth or a story to get us past the algorithms and the structure that's being imposed by religion, by government, by medicine? Where, where, How do you address that in your music? Yeah. Well, so here's two really interesting things. Psychedelics. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. You got some? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it, helps you see yourself in a different perspective first, I think. And then secondly, it, you start relating to the outside in a different way. Yes. You see the breakdown of structures. You see, why are we doing this? I know this is the way I've been taught this, or this is what I've been told, but now I'm seeing something a little different. And you start questioning, what if the world were different? You know, I remember the um, the Nag Hammadi text. Yeah. That... that blew my mind yeah the first when i started i was talking to my mom who's kind of you know uh fundamentalist christian in some ways i guess in other ways she's she's not she's a little more expanded recently and it's really awesome but the when i was talking to her i said what if god is a woman and what if what we know of the of god now the woman left the creation and had a moment of doubt about her creation. And in that moment, the devil was created. And the devil dressed himself as God. And what we've been worshiping as God from, you know, for, for all of time is really the devil dressed as God. And my mom was like, what are you talking about? Like, she, it was this, she was like, that's blasphemy. You know, it's just like, and so I said, I'm not saying it's this way, but this text is really making me feel that there's a lot of, information here that is that groundbreaking yeah that is making me question what if it was like this and and i said so it made me start questioning my faith and searching for more information and taking in and then eventually i got to a point where i was like i'm never gonna know i'm just gonna have to feel and trust and still take in information and say that's interesting yeah (laughs) you know i think if god was a woman then right about now, her nipples are so sore, she's got to kick the kids out into the world to get busy and do something on their own. Because really, you know, I think this is a sort of a different whole line of conversation, but I'll yeah. just say I think that the the humanity's relationship with God is just way overdue for, for some... Overhaul. Rototilling and <laughs> yeah. some 
reevaluation, and I think it really is reflected in Victor Wooten's concerns about music. Right. You know? Well, just just to kind of go to that second part of that is just that I think that music has the ability to transport you. If you think mm. about music and you're like growing up in high school and you hear that, like someone puts it on again and you listen to something from that time period, you're like almost mentally transported back to that time and you think about your friends and what was mm. going on and it's a time machine you know yeah and so i think music has the ability to also project you into the future when you put intention to the listening the deep listening skills of like putting on headphones detaching from the outside world mm-hmm. listening to the music in a deep listening way you know like not no other multifunctions just really being present in the moment with the music. When that happens and you place an intention in some simple mindfulness things like mm-hmm. breath work, mm-hmm. intention setting, you can project yourself into this future, this new future realm. And I think it's huge for manifesting, creating new realities, mm-hmm. new timelines. Um, it's just a really powerful way to heal the spirit and to build the life that you want. I think it's I, frequency is the fuel right? Mm -hmm. So it's something that can help you with that. And so I think this could be a huge tool for the evolution of humanity. And I think that, you know, psychedelics in their own way can be a huge tool. And we're seeing it come, both of these are coming, more sound healing is coming to awareness of the mainstream Mm -hmm. and psychedelic and that medicine, plant medicine is coming to the mainstream in a more, you know, open way. And Mm -hmm. I think that this, these two tools have the ability to really open us wide open, you know, open us up completely. Um, in ways that we will be able to receive and uh, process information in a different way. You know, a lot of people, um, unfortunately, are musically inhibited. Um, I think a lot of that stems from childhood and having teachers constantly focus on what's wrong with everybody. I mean, you know, I've been teaching art and art therapy for a very long time, and probably the most common comment I get from my students in my classes, particularly my mandala workshops, I used to teach it in the Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Program, but it split people open so wide I had to stop doing it because it would throw us off for hours because people would be going through a catharsis, you know. But the the real sad thing is, is I, 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 I remember a particular case, I've had many, but this one stood out. I was giving a art therapy class in Sydney, Australia, and there was a guy who was in the class, he's probably about f- close to 50, I think he was uh, an accountant or something like that, but I could see he was troubled, you know, people that come to my classes often are, and um you know, I was very busy. There was probably 40 or 50 people in the class. There was a lot going on, a lot of people needing my help. But I just happened to catch him out of the corner of my eye at the beginning of the class, and I could see him staring at his paper, and I could see that kind of, I'm afraid to do anything because I, I I don't want it to be wrong, look, right. you know? Yeah. And so time went by, and, and, and then I just happened close to the lunchtime walked over and saw that he had an empty piece of paper four hours later. Wow. And so I I started to talk to him, and sure enough, it was a story about how he had once been doing art and somebody reprimanded him and, you know, or criticized him. And then it, and the, the broken child was still stuck in him. And as I talked to him about what was going on in his life, it turned out to be that's the metaphor for his whole life, yeah. right? He's been stuck in fear of other people's judgment. Yeah. 
And so I worked with him to open him up and he he got going and was able to to create and and make a mandala by the end of the day but there was a lot of emotion and tears in him as he started to put things down on on the on the uh canvas so you know i'm curious for you what what words of inspiration would you have for everyone listening that maybe doesn't think they're musical or has some kind of inhibitions or maybe would be afraid because someone else might hear them and say, quit playing that lousy music or making so much noise like parents often do to children, you know, especially yeah. if they have drums. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear you speak to how it is to get through that and what is the magic that is available to any of us just by making music and if there's any particular instruments that you think are good for people to start with because of the nature of the instrument what would you suggest yeah well i'll say one name bob dylan uh-huh right yeah <laughs> so if you went by the voice that show the standards that they're pushing on contemporary singers to sound this cookie cutter way yeah not saying that those people don't have talent they do but it's looking for one thing. And Bob Dylan would have never made it. Know. And and what a poet, yeah. what a creative expression, and what a game changer. He was a storyteller. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And we would have lost that voice. And, and I think that for me, when I'm looking at people, um, I think the ability, that whole thing of it takes one to know one. Yeah. So the things that we encourage in other people are things that we have been let down in ourselves through other the external world like we felt like we weren't encouraged and now as we grow up and mature we're the encourager right because we understand the significance of what it's like mm -hmm. to be unseen well hopefully we are right <laughs> hopefully <laughs> right. we right. are uh, yeah otherwise right. we're still one of the people that needs to be encouraged right <laughs> yeah so so when i say bob dylan i have friends that will say i can't really play or i don't have a rhythm and i'll listen to them play and i'll say man your gift is your rhythm your rhythm is so unique and so mm -hmm. different. Don't try to sound like us. Don't try to sound like these other people. Mm -hmm. you, your rhythm that you have is very unique. It's very interesting. Yeah. And I think you should develop this. Don't worry about what other people are saying. Yeah. So I think like that, that uh, encouragement for people to be unique and yeah. not cookie cutter and not try to sound like, because everything now is sound like the masses so you can make money. And what I try to tell people is you will make money for a short period of time. And then once you're used yeah. up, you're thrown to the trash heap. They're looking for the next new thing. Be something that, you know, like I think of a lot about Ani DeFranco. She's a folk singer, musician. Mm -hmm. She's been playing music since I was in high school. She's still touring. Mm -hmm. People said, oh, she would have done this. She would have been a star. She's mm -hmm. got a great voice. She could have done this. Yeah. What she did is she found her voice and sustained that for three decades, mm -hmm. you know, and she's made a living. She's got a nice house. She's got, you know, nice recording studio. She has her own record label. So I feel like that is a win. You know what I'm saying? Getting mm. to superstardom and burning out and flick of, you know, snap of a finger. You know, there's a lot of people doing that. But I think if you really want to find your voice and then you find your passion, you know, you find your passion through that, you find your voice, that is where you're going to be a mechanism of change for the world, I think. So um, I think that I just try really hard to encourage people to find 
their passion, their connection. It makes like I was talking to Justin today at breakfast, you know, at your house here, and he said, uh, 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 "My friend Joe asked him." you know, what are you doing for fun these days? And Justin said, everything I do is fun. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the rainbow, baby. Yeah. So I think like that is what you're looking for. That's what people need to be answering. And I think that we get these preconceived notions or these fear elements and we start unraveling our future. If we don't do this and we don't follow this template in this cookie cutter program, we're going to be a failure. And I think that the paradigm's falling apart and it's time to realize, like you're saying, taking responsibility as a musician, as a person to walk into learning a little bit more about your body, learning a little bit more about nutrition and, and things where you start speaking like, this is how I feel. This is what this food does to me. Mm. This is what this music does to me. And it's like, you're really taking responsibility. And I'll just say this to close that. I, it took me 12 years to learn how to mix and master music. I did it on my own and I didn't have any outside help. Uh, it was a process that I was uh, cussing, kicking dirt all the time. It's not something I wanted to do. But I'm surprised you had your studio out in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, just an expression. But I'm just saying, like, it was something that for me was challenging. It's not what I wanted to do. But I'm so thankful that I did because it made me have more responsibility, more connection to my music. So I can tell you that I write, record, mix, and master my music from start to finish. There's no other hands putting any frequencies in there, changing it, telling me how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it just feels so free to be able to create something in that way and uh, put it out to the world. I think, you know, what comes up in me hearing you say that, you know, the 12 years of the hard work, the difference is that's the work of love. Yes. Right? And, you know, I think people have these weird ideas about love. You're going to meet the person of your dreams. You're going to fall in love. It's going to be happy ever after. Yet we know that's never the case. There's, there's Because, you know, ultimately love is the ultimate bonding force. It's the force that dissolves paradoxically individuality and brings us back to unity. Yeah. So the work of love ultimately is to work through the perceptual challenges, the individual angst, the this or the that. But ultimately what happens is it brings you into a fusion or a union with what you're expressing so that there isn't a barrier between you and the music. Right. Like, when I listen to Ian, I'm actually with Ian. Yeah. Right? There's not a barrier there. He's not trying to fit the Beatles style or the yeah. the hip tune of the day, because then he wouldn't be Ian anymore. Right. But the, 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 the key point I'm driving at is if we, if we make music because we're expressing love, if we go out and tend our garden out of an expression of love if we accept the challenges of relationship as the work of love, if we do jobs or create jobs for ourselves that are an expression of something that's coming from our heart, the good news is even though it might be hard work and it can be challenging and the money might be tight and God knows I've been, you know, <laughs> broke and completely like living everything I had was in the back of my car, except my library, which was in a stack of many boxes of books. Um, but because I knew in my heart that what I was doing was how I 
best offered something to the world, it didn't stop me. It just made me realize I have to go somewhere in the world where people can see my love, right? And it turned out to be Australia and New Zealand, yes. right? I, yeah. I couldn't make it happen in the United States. Everybody was too smart for me. <laughs> I had to go to Australia and New Zealand, and and they all saw it right away. And they're like, "Oh my God, well, this is crazy good stuff, man!" Well, you know, so I spent five years in Australia and New Zealand doing what I couldn't do in the United States, but ultimately that kickstarted kickstarted it, and it also reverberated back to the United States. And by the time they figured out that there was these therapists in Australia and New Zealand that were 10 times better than they were, and they kept asking, where did you learn this stuff? Yeah. The point is I had to stick with the, the love. Mm -hmm. I had to I had to follow my heart. I didn't just say, well, I guess I should go be a mechanic again, <laughs> you know, yeah, or whatever. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to tell you about Organifi Gold Chocolate, something that is very tasty, and that my kids love. Organifi Gold Chocolate is a superfood hot chocolate healthy enough to drink every day. In fact, multiple times a day if you want. In fact, unlike most chocolate drinks that stimulate you and may disrupt your sleep if consumed after about 4 in the afternoon, my kids drink it right before bed. And unlike chocolate in general, it actually helps them sleep. Organifi Gold Chocolate doesn't include blood sugar spiking ingredients like other hot chocolate alternatives, leaving you feeling good about indulging in this healthy chocolate beverage. It was formulated to deliver the same amazing benefits as Organifi Gold, but with a delicious chocolate flavor to help curb those holiday cravings, which we all seem to get. Some of the key benefits of Organifi Chocolate Gold, or gold chocolate, is that it has 10 superfoods for rest and relaxation. 100% USD organic certified, tastes delicious in warm water and amazing with milk or milk alternatives, promotes and supports relaxation so you can fall asleep with ease, supports a better night's rest so you wake up refreshed, and promotes a healthier response to stress, and gives calming support. As you know, what most people reach for when they want something super tasty and enjoyable is generally not healthy, but that's not the case with Organifi Gold Chocolate, which is USDA certified organic, certified gluten-free, and certified glyphosate residue-free, which is very important, dairy-free, which is great for guys like me, soya-free, which is very important, vegan, non-GMO, and clinically proven ingredients, 100% organic whole food, which means it's great for everyone. Save 20% on your purchase of Organifi Gold Chocolate by using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's check 20 on checkout. Go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash check 20. And again, for your 20% Living 40 discount, use the code check 20 in all caps. Enjoy Organifi Gold Chocolate. What I what I would like to hear from you though is for beginners. You know, for me, like when I have workshops here, I don't know if you've ever seen me do this, but I have beach rocks. Everyone gets a couple of beach stones, and we make music together. So just like we were drumming together, right? We I start them off, and we harmonize with beach stones, and people get just high as a kite. And I tell them that's the original rock music right there, <laughs> and they just totally get off on it. Yeah.
And uh, sometimes um, I will make music with percussion sticks or me and the kids will just pick up sticks or rocks or things, uh, you know, shake a branch with some dry leaves on it like a rattle. Yeah. Um, is there, one of the things I find with the kids that works very good is they have these little egg-shaped rattles. They're like cheapest. You can get them on Amazon, probably a pair of rattles for three, four bucks or something. Yeah. You, you can put some beans in a glass jar mm -hmm. uh, and put a lid on it and you got, a, you got rattles, you know? Um, I, I think... I think a lot of people just don't realize that you can you can do it. You can you know play on the table. Yeah. I mean, I know lots of guys that were drummers. They were drumming everywhere they went. Yes, you know, on the backs of seats, on the table, getting yeah. chewed out by the teacher, drum on someone's head in front of them because the the, the rhythm had to get out of them. What what's your tips for an entryway for the average person who doesn't think their musical is inhibited? the thought of a guitar and you know i mean i like guitars i love the way they sound but for me to pick up that guitar i mean jesus will be back at least twice before i can do anything <laughs> like you do with that thing and poor jesus will get bored of my music yeah but, but my point is if i pick up a drum yeah i feel at home like okay right they're, they're, my spirit can connect to this instrument i don't need any training i yeah. just somehow my heart works with a drum right and rattles is the same for me. Mm -hmm. I I can just let go to a pair of rattles, and it's almost as though they're rattling me. Right. I can pick up a couple of stones and make music, but I pick up a guitar and I feel like I've got this technical barrier right. between me and and the ability to express my soul through it. Yeah. Now, interesting. I can go sit at our piano and just. Just start up. playing, and, yeah. and all of a sudden, I've got a rhythm, and and you know, and then I fantasize about Elton John or somebody like that, and I, you know, or or uh, you know, some of the great piano players, and <clears throat> just because they inspire me. Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking you is, what's your words for people that are trying to get over that barrier? How do you, how do you find the doorway? Yeah. So I think some of the most interesting. Uh, instruments that combine notes and rhythm are like tongue drums. They're, you know, these little drums. The metal ones? The metal ones. Yeah, and you like, have little mallets and you can play Yeah, them. we've got a couple of those. Those yeah. are cool. Yeah, so I think they're, you know, anywhere from like 75 to 200 bucks. They're they're relatively inexpensive. What's the name of those? Tongue drums. Tongue? Tongue. Right, because they've got the, tongues of the, metal. Yeah, yeah, we've got two of them, I think. Yes. But there's a, what's the metal drums that they play? Hand pans. The kind that they have at the Mardi Gras and places like that. Oh, steel drums. Steel drums. Yeah, steel yeah, drums. Because those are cool too. They are cool. And then the the evolution of the steel drum is they took the two steel drums, molded them like a UFO, uh -huh. hammered them out so they're double sided, uh -huh. and they're called hand pans, and they're notes, and you play them, and they're very beautiful yeah. instruments. Yeah. So any of those instruments, you're playing notes, and you're also having a rhythm, you know, just like you would a hand drum. Yeah. And I think that. Um, it gives people, because there's a scale and it's easy to make the notes on a lot of those drums. A xylophone. Xylophone. I love the xylophone, yes. too. We mm -hmm. have got two or three of them mm -hmm. hanging around the house. Very easy. Uh, ours are, they got bigger tubes on them. Yes. And really beautiful sounding. Yes. Little rubber mallet, couple rubber mallets. The yeah. kids can play them, I play them, and they even have them at the park. They got great big huge ones at the park with tubes like, you know two, three inches across and they're outside in, in great big rubber mallets and kids get on there and me and Mana and 
you know, then when Zoe came along, Zoe would go sit there and be out at the park playing the music. And, and, and that's so simple. So, uh, to recap, then you're saying tongue drums, tongue, tongue drums. Yeah. Hand drums. Of hand it, drums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shakers, shakers, the xylophone. Xylophone. Yeah. yeah all those are very, uh, Tibetan bowl too. Tibetan bowls. Very yeah, simple. Singing, yeah. Singing bowls. Yes. All those things are just really, really cool. And I think like getting kids involved, you know, at an early age with music. Yeah. Is we love massive. it. Massive. Yeah. yeah it's a fact I got to do that maybe tonight with the kids. Yeah. Since you're here, we should all get in the music room. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, great. Anything else you wanted to add before I shift topics here? No, no, it's, uh, let's keep going. <laughs> now, this goes with what we've been talking about. You know, art and our freedom of expression is now under attack more than ever before. I mean, what is censorship if it's not an attack on your freedom of expression? Right. Yeah. I mean, that it is amazing to me. And it's deeply concerning to me how many people are quick to want to censor other people's opinions. Yes. COVID brought the disease to the surface. Yeah. I mean, I have seen documentaries with very knowledgeable people showing how many universities now are completely limiting the words students can use, the studies they can do, changing what's in libraries and kind of monoculturing the entire education system that's as freaking dangerous as you can possibly get yeah i mean when you do that in nature you have death lurking yeah so you know this this whole knocking out of the freedom of expressions and um you, you you're talking you you talking to me about bands that have been blacklisted and silenced and removed from platforms um then we've got art getting into a digital format that takes the soul out of it. Um, and then we've got, um, you were talking about, maybe you can talk about this. You were talking about TV shows and they're now letting the fans edit the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, these are, uh, you know, this is like a fungal infection. It starts off small, but the next thing you know, you're in bed dying and your tongue's white and you're being told you have AIDS or something, but really it all started off as a fungal infection. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so the TV show I was referring to is um, there is a Stranger uh, Things that um, is a big hit show on um, uh Netflix. Uh -huh. And what happened was... What's it called again? Stranger Things, I think, Stranger is the, name, the title of it. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, I'm not a you know huge fan of all that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is, is um, what I was reading this article was talking about how there was a lot of people, critics and fans and people writing in that didn't like one of the scenes from the first season. They're, they're on season four now. Mm -hmm. And so they went back and edited the episode because people were offended that it wasn't politically correct or, oh you know, and so they changed it. And so what, what I was, what is that anyhow? I know. What I know, is politically correct? Yeah. You know, it's got two very, very contradictory words in it. Politically mm -hmm. correct. Right. Well, you know the old saying, how do you know when a politician's lying? Their lips are moving? <laughs> yeah. 
So when you put the word politically incorrect together, that's like oil and water. Yeah. Remember uh, George Bush Sr. said, read my lips, no new taxes. And within three, four months of saying that statement, he raised the tax, you know, it's an increase in tax, uh, George Bush uh, Sr. And so, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of that. But what, as an artist and a musician and, and a poet, it's just, it makes you realize, like, you know, the independent press, you know, like our forefathers were huge on distributing and having the ability to print truth and mm. distribute it to the people. Yeah. And so when you have big platforms like Google and Amazon and Facebook and, and Instagram and all these places covering, I mean, Amazon's even printing books, you know what I'm saying? Like they've have this huge, you know, uh, ability. Which, which they control the content of. Right. Right. And so, but when you get big platforms like uh, uh, Netflix editing artistic expression because people don't like it, um, you, you know, you're getting into the First Amendment. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're, you're basically, it, it's just, it's so challenging for me because I think like when you have a hard copy of something and it goes out into the world, if people don't like it, it's like, well, there's millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people that now have this product and can listen to it in the, in the state that the artist created it in, you know? Mm. And I think that where we as artists are, have lost our power, like in the sense of artists, musicians, poets, all these graphic artists, filmmakers, we have the tools and the ability to change consciousness and that expression. And the one percenters have, you know, kidnapped that and they're using it to create propaganda and they're using these artists and musicians and poets to create this new narrative that they're pushing out to people. I'm going to post a challenge to you there though. Okay. The question is, have we as artists, and I, I will say the artists, lost their powers and been kidnapped or is a greater truth that they've sold it for money and given it away because they're trying to get somewhere fast instead of doing the work of love that you talked about. Right. Yeah, no, I could say that we definitely have sold out, but I think someone asked me one time, would you sell your company if some big company came along? And I said, this is an interesting question because I said, I've been doing this company, Listening to Smile, for seven years. Before that, I ran a nonprofit for 10 years. And before that, I ran two other companies. And I said, if you added all those companies together that got me to this point right here, you're talking over 20 years. And I said, so when people have had that bohemian lifestyle of like sticking to their heart, following it at all costs, and the toll that that takes on a soul and an individual, it's, it's the the hero's journey, you mm -hmm. know? And when you get to the end of that and you're wanting to have some breathing room and someone's like, here's $50 million for your company, I told them, I said, most people at the end of that ride are going to say, okay, you know, just like you saw, I saw Genesis just sold their catalog for $350 million or something. Like Who's their Genesis? Genesis, a band like Phil Collins. Oh, Genesis. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of, of the old uh, classic rock musicians. There's these big wealth firms, you know, that are coming in and buying up all the rights of this classic music. And they're saying to the Eagles or, you know, uh, Neil Young, you know, and saying, hey, let's buy your catalog for $500 million. And then, you know, the artist is like, 
okay. <laughs> you know, and it's like, so I don't consider it selling out, but I do, I think that the average person does not know the trials and tribulations. It's taken a person from this point, just like you were saying, just for you, like your books are stacked in boxes, you've got all your belongings in your car, and the process it took you to go to a new country for five years and then come back triumphant. And it's like, you can tell people this story all day long, but the average person is like, oh, that's interesting. But, but I don't think they understand really in their core, like what that took for you to still keep going against the grain like that. And so I think there's two things. I think I understand when people reach that point where they're like wanting to simplify their life more and mm -hmm. to have more balance of like giving to themselves. Mm -hmm. But I also think there is a responsibility. Yes. You know? And I think that somewhere in the middle is where, you know, like the Vesica Pisces, the two circles and yes. you have the connecting. Mm -hmm. I think that you try your best if you're an awakened individual, to have that middle point that's kind of both of those. You know? Yeah, I've spoken of that before on the podcast, the mandorla exercise. Yes. You know, so yes. you put all your negatives in one side, your positives in the other, and then you stand in the middle so you can see the balance of the polarities. Right. And I think, you know, so it's money or struggle. You know, work for somebody else, lose freedom, work for myself, make less money, but have more freedom. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> stay committed to my wife, have sex in the closet, hide from God, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, whatever it turns out to be. But yeah, you know, being in the middle is, is um, it's a high spiritual calling because it takes deep awareness to find the middle. Right. It's, you know, I, I tell people all the time, look, if you want to, understand Taoism, I can give it to you in one sentence. Not too much, not too little. <sighs> but, you know, here I am, 61 years old, and I still have to really be conscious to find the middle. So, some things are easier said than done. Right. But I think that the first step is you have to become aware of, you know, are you happy with what you're creating in your life? And is it something that you want to continue to do and if it's not then it's a better most people get comfortable with their discomfort and then just keep doing the same stuff but when you get comfortable with with discomfort you also get you you come become a, a real good petri dish for disease yeah because you're you're not paying attention to what your soul is telling you you know when the pain teacher shows up it's very important to listen otherwise you basically let that same energy be your guiding force and it sure as hell is going to you know it's not going to make joy if it's creating unhappiness in you that's we have to get involved in that you were going to talk about the magician and and you know you showed me a video clip of a guy i can't remember his name what was the guy's name alan moore he looked like a caveman. Yeah, yeah. He's a a comic book uh, illustrator, writer, um just really talented guy. And yeah, very it was very deep. It yes. was very good. And the, yeah. my kind of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to watching that whole uh documentary. Is it a documentary? Yeah, it's about him. He created lots of like uh blockbuster film like um The Watchmen 
is a is a film that he did that got made into a movie and it's a, a graphic novel comic book mm-hmm. and um it was just about superheroes but it was more of like the struggle of an everyday average person becoming a superhero and like the the trials of trying to be uh not holier than thou and still being a person but having these special abilities and i felt like a lot of people could relate to a lot of the characters in the film yeah, you know, and, and so we were talking about the the importance of staying connected to our magic, understanding magic. Uh, you know, you 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 were st- mentioning that we're all musicians. Which, I mean, magicians, which I agreed with. And um, you know, when I interviewed Laurel Erica, who who's a, an expert at the linguistic art, she she really speaks a lot about, you know, being very conscious of how you use your words because they're powerful. Right. And that's what your guy was saying. Yeah. Right. Straight up front. He was saying, look, if you want to know what magic is, it's the use of words. Yeah. And, um, you know, structuring, structuring, you're structuring with what you're, you're moving energy, right? Yes. You're going from pure potential into some kind of an action. Like I love you is a lot different than I hate you. There's just, and it's just words, right? Right. Um, and one of the things that I found really heart touching when I watched, uh, Herb Albert is, again, for those of you, if you want to watch a movie, it's Herb, A-L-P-E-R-T. It sounds like Albert when you say it quickly, but it's Alpert. Um, he gives something like, I don't know what it was, $120 million a year to, uh, fund the creation and maintenance of, um, creative arts colleges and universities all over, and they showed one in Brooklyn, and this is kind of how he got started, this this famous uh, school for the arts in, in, in Brooklyn, in New York, was going bankrupt, and he just happened to see in the news, and he just said, I can't let that happen. Wow. So he funded it and took it over and revived it, and it showed pictures of him in there w- w- playing with the kids and talking to the music teachers and they have dance and they have, I think, acting and they have art. And Herb, Herb, Al- Herb Alpert is an amazing sculptor and artist yeah. as well, yeah. which is just so beautiful to see. Um, I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are in this regard. We've got this issue because all everything we've been talking about with censorship, with you know, all the stuff that's going on from the deadening of music and the killing of the spirit of music to uh, gender confusion to race confusion. I mean, to me, it's like the same thing that's happening to the spirit of music is happening to the individual's capacity to access the magician and the power of the magician within them. I just love to hear what your thoughts are in that regard. Are. Yeah. Well, I think just like Alan Moore was saying, the very act of creating something from nothing and putting it into the world is an act of magic. Yes. Right? And and so that by definition makes you a magi- a magician, you yeah. know, in the sense that you can take this and put this out into the world. And so I think what he was trying to get at is that there's a power lost when someone starts dictating to you what your process is, what the end result of that process should be, the yeah. way it should look, the the time constraint, the whatever. And so um, 
I always talk about this. You know, Michael Jordan was one of the first people that dunked beyond the foul line. And now you have guys that are dunking from beyond that, you know, almost at the three-point line. People are launching off and getting close to to dunking now, you know, in basketball. And so what I'm saying is, is there's always someone, like movies used to be. Are they getting approval from the FAA? Because that's a long jump. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's people that are just really taking it to new levels you know what i'm saying and it's mm-hmm. like people are the the body types people are working out more they're they're eating foods the, the hormones are changing Thank God. right and so uh but you know at one point movies used to be a set time and then someone made a three hour long movie and, and pushed for it said no this is my craft i want it to come and now three hour movies are more you know prevalent in the mm-hmm. world and so what i'm saying is is that you don't have to make things the way they are. And I think that's our job as people creating this magic is to really listen to our hearts and intuitively tap into what's wanting to come through us and knowing that this art, this magic, this music, this poetry, this dance, these concepts and theories that we're putting out into the world are literally planting seeds in other people and giving them permission Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to do the same. And I think that the reason that the governments want conformity and control of individuals into cookie cutters is because that's controllable. Mm-hmm. That is something that they can manipulate and have power over. Mm-hmm. And the more Yeah, so they're using their magic to kill ours. Exactly. exactly. Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let, let's all just uh, pay taxes so we can all turn into uh, petrified wood and other words I won't use. I'm sure most of you are aware, even though you may not like the taste of organs, that organ meats are extremely important and good for you. And I've got great news for you. Paleo Valley makes an amazing grass-fed organ complex that's unique and better than anything I've ever found out there. So much better. I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, its creator, exactly what you're going to get from their grass-fed organ complex. Autumn, get us informed on why we should be using your amazing organ complex. Okay. Well, like you said, organ meats are nature's multivitamins. And when we use them, we feel this energy and this stamina. And most people don't like the flavor. So what we did was we took grass-fed and finished organs like liver and heart and kidney, and we just put them into capsules so that you can get all the benefits, the beautiful benefits of organ meats without actually having to taste them, without liver burps, of course. And they're just freeze-dried. So again, they're not processed heavily in any way whatsoever, and they are sourced from American farmers using regenerative agricultural practices. And all you have to do to try it out is go to our website at paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, and that's lowercase c-h-e-k-15. And I sincerely hope you love it. You know, when I look at how I create magic in my life, there's a lot of ways, but one of the things I would say to people is, you know, I like to stack rocks because one, it's just rocks. Yeah. They're pretty much, you know, unless you live in a city, it's not hard to find some rocks. Mm -hmm. You can go buy some from a landscaping store, but the beautiful thing about it is, is it doesn't matter if it falls down. Yeah. It's just rocks. 
And I say, good, if it falls down, it's just spirit inviting me to be more creative and do it again. Yeah. And so then you got exercise. Like I love to go to the gym and, and there's days I think for sure I know what I'm going to do. And, and then I go in there and realize, geez, my back still hasn't recovered from my last workout. I'm not going to be able to push as hard as I wanted to today Yeah. or I'm going to hurt myself. So let's come up with something new, mm-hmm. you know, um, different combinations. Like when I vaporize bags, I'm always doing magic. Yeah. It's just, it's a constant string. I, I never do the same thing twice yeah. typically, you mm-hmm. know, um, I guess, you know, what I'm wanting to hear from you is what are some of the ways that you think people could get in the practice of not only being conscious of their powers of magic, but simple things people can do to bring more magic into their life so they realize how taking responsibility for your magical powers can make your life more magical instead of just being a cog in a wheel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have this little exercise for poetry. Mm -hmm. And so I ask people, I said, if you have poetry books, get them off, you know, off the bookshelf, bring them to the floor, get your little pad and pen, you know, to write some words down. And so I said, this exercise is really teaching us how to get out of our own way, like our own head. And just like the guy in Australia, you were saying, had a fear of doing something wrong. Yeah. A lot of people I find in these workshops that I do are people in that same energy. They're, they have been reprimanded, you know, in some way that teaches them to be more reserved on what they put out there. And so they get so terrified in that space that they just don't do anything. They don't yeah. put it out or they talk themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. So this exercise for me is clearing that mindset and get you directly tapped into spirit and eventually you won't have to use the exercise it'll just be direct yes so basically i have them circle just on the left top sheet of the paper they do a kind of a semi-circle little like oval shape and i call that the word palette right page right what's the oval shape at the top left side, we just do kind of like a little oval shape, and I call that the word palette for the page. How do you choose the words? So this right now, we're just drawing a circle like an oval mm-hmm. and on the page with your pen, and then you're picking up books, and as you pick up a book, you flip open, and the very first word that jumps out, you can't be in judgment, you can't, you can't say, oh, that's not the right word. Yeah. You just flip it open, the first word that jumps out to you, you write it in your word palette, mm-hmm. okay? And then you get another book. And you pick these books by the way they feel, the way they look, whatever. You flip open, another word jumps out, you write it down. You want to fill up this word palette till it's about 20, 30 words deep, okay? okay? And then what I do is I have people put the books down, and then I say, okay, so if you're going to take these words and make a title for your poem or for your journal entry, what would you do? Rearrange these words. So they have to come up with nothing. It's right here on the page for them. Yeah. And they rearrange these words and they make a title. And so a lot of people, just that simple process, they're like, oh my gosh, that's a cool title, right? And a lot of the people who have experience, like a poet or writer, they'll say, I never would have come up with this in my own head. You know, Mm -hmm. this is something new. This is really exciting. So you either turn people loose where they do this like cut up method. There's Mm -hmm. a... the Naked Lunch, you know, um, William Burroughs, if you're familiar with that. He mm-hmm. wrote that, and 
Um, so he was at a party. This is how the story goes. This is how I came up with this, this little method here. He was at a party and he was watching an artist that had a painting on the wall that he had given it to the person that the party was host, the host of the party. And so in the middle of the party, they were drinking a little and he's looking at his painting and he said, oh, I just don't like that painting. So he, in the middle of the party, pulled it off the wall, cut it up with an X-Acto knife, rearranged the pieces, glued them, painted more paint on it, let it dry a little bit, put it back on the wall. He's like, now it's done. <laughs> So, <laughs> in the in the middle of this party, uh, William Burroughs, the writer, was watching this, and he's like, "If he can do that with a painting, I could do that with my poems that I can't finish at home." Right. So he went home and cut his page in four halves, and then started rearranging the words, and he started coming up with words like "heavy metal kid." So in his novel, he wrote an outsider. He described him as a heavy metal kid, and now we know those kids to be heavy metal kids. It's where that came from that oh. that lingo, and so. Anyways, my point is, is I was like, instead of cutting the page up, let's just flip through books. Let's find the word that first jumps out at us. Let's make a little word palette, made a little simpler. And then, you know, have them come up with an entire poem that way. Or the title sparks, if they have experience in writing, that title sparks something and they just start writing. And what I found was people sharing their poems at the end of these workshops. We'll put frequency music on in the background, just have instrumental music playing. Just creates a really great energy in the room. And at the end, people are just tearful, crying, laughing. I can't believe I wrote this. People have never wrote poems before. They're mm. writing poems. And I said, this is the first. This is the start right here. Mm. Now you can do this with painting. You can yeah. do this with music. You mm. can do this with drums. And so people just start getting more free. They build a little bit of confidence in these little basic exercises, and mm -hmm. then they move and just keep building. And a lot of the people who have been affiliates with us for two or three years as, as you know, working with my music have now since become their own sound healers. They've learned how to play instruments. They've started their own sound healing practices. And it's just, it's so cool to be a part of that, you know, process with people. Yeah, that's amazing. I have a exercise i learned studying an art therapy book that i use for beginners because it's very easy and i do it when i'm feeling tired don't want to go through the work of doing you know a technical piece where i have to you know create geometry and measure and because some of those can take me months to finish yeah but sometimes i just want to have it a little emotional release and a little play and and yeah. sort of like a unbound play so the exercise is you just draw a circle to make the mandala then you choose a color, whichever one appeals to you. You take a brush, you dip it in paint, and you just let whatever comes out of you come out. Yeah. And so you, you, you can only do one line, like you, you do it one line. Then you choose another color, and you do a second line, and you just, you know? <laughs> yeah. Then you look at it, and then you start filling it in. And it's all sorts of stuff comes out, you know, mm -hmm. where the lines cross and where the two colors come and... You know, sometimes you fill it in, there's a dragon in there, or there's this <laughs> a lizard, or, you know, something, you know, yeah. your naked girlfriend, or, you know, stuff that's in your unconscious, and you don't realize it's coming into your art. Yeah. But it's fun, because I can do that with the kids, and they don't have to worry about, you know, trying to, you know, make a tree look perfect, or a bird look perfect, it's just totally a... A let it go and I, I i bring that up because there's a great simple way to practice magic i mean you can do it i, I there was a period uh you know i worked with a very very powerful shaman named rowena Kreider, and uh did a 
a one-week course with her on the nine Egyptian light bodies in her house in um, Colorado. She's passed away now, but and I maintained contact with her for many years, and she was a consultant to me. But uh, my first workshop with her, we had to do a mandala to, to as prerequisite work to get into the class because she wanted to see it because she was doing various types of analysis on us. And I'll tell you what, it split something open in me, man. I, I did thousands of mandalas after that. I would literally come home from work every day. I carried art supplies all over the world in suitcases. And every night I would do a mandala as my way to just celebrate the end of my day. And so there were, my point is, is it, it, it was as simple as just drawing a circle on a piece of paper. And oftentimes I was just doing these very simple, um, no mind artistic expressions. And I've got you know, probably a hundred art books full of them. And when I look back through them, some of them to this day amaze me. I'm like, wow, that was just so easy and so fun. <clears throat> I just carried watercolor pens with me. Yeah. So point being is, is there's a great way to do magic. And the other thing too, that that's very fun that brings your magic back is like, I like to listen to music that I like, something that appeals to me Yeah. and paint what the music's doing inside of me. Right. So whatever it is, like if it's watery music, I might paint a river. Or if it's sunny music, I might paint a sun or, you know, whatever. No, no, no real intellectual planning, just sort of letting it unfold. Uh, so those are all, you know, some of the ways that I work with the magician in me. Is there anything you want to add? No, I think, um, yeah, it's... Uh I just think it's really crucial that people realize like how profound and deep lasting just having a cons you know consistent practice of that let go like yeah. through the arts you know whether it's poetry or painting or music um it's so it's so powerful and a lot of times when people are doing solo sessions with me like um co personal frequency coaching the first question I ask them is how much do you listen to music you know, and they'll say like, well, sound healing. I'm like, no, just music in general. Like, and most of the people, I mean, I think we did, a, it was like, at one point there was like a hundred people and we looked at all the hundred uh, and it was like 80%, like 75, 80%. I can't remember. It was in that range of people that had just stopped listening to music altogether. Really? Yeah. In the, in the, I didn't even know you could live if you did that. I know. I know. It's very strange to me as a musician. But yeah, there's a lot of people that would say, like, I don't have time for that or it doesn't interest me. I'm just in pain. Or I don't. And I'm just like, wow. So I, that's the first thing I try to do is like, you know, I tell people like when you're listening to Bob Marley at some point, everything's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Like it's just real happy music. And I said, it's not just sound healing music. It's, it's all of it, having joy, music, rhythm in your life on a consistent basis. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, if anyone told me they didn't listen to music, I would say stop everything yeah. and put on some music <laughs> <laughs> or make some right away. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, music to me is the closest thing to the heartbeat of the soul. Yeah. I mean... You can tell a lot about who somebody is by the music that moves them. Uh, that's my observation. Yeah. I could literally say to someone, tell me your favorite music, in fact, and I would learn a lot about them. But one of the things that I found very interesting, somebody, my mother actually, 
sent me this link to a website where if you type in the date of your birth, it plays all the hit songs that were on the radio when you were born. That's cool. (laughs) And I was blown away how moving that was. Yeah. So there's a tip for you guys that are having, you know, that your life's so complicated and stressful that you're not listening to, or you might have it on, but you're not listening or enjoying music. Go search, just just go on Google and type in hits for, you know, I was born August 24th, 1961. So hits, hits in August, 1961 and listen to them. And it is incredibly moving Yeah, because that's what's in your unconscious. Yeah, That's the vibe that was in the Milu of life at that time. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I was amazed at how moving it was. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a great place to start is just listen to the hit songs that were, happening when you were born and it'll tap into your soul yeah well the movie alive inside you know the uh-huh. it's about the dementia and they went around to oh right with the with home. the music the yeah. piano and and they they all they all started waking up yes yeah and it was music from the time period of their era you know they started playing it and it wasn't sound healing it was just music and it was waking them up yeah, yeah that was really good i like that documentary um so you know, one of the things we were going to talk about is is I'm going to reframe it a little bit. What what do you think is going to happen if we don't? Two questions: What's going to happen if we don't start taking responsibility for our magician, our creativity, and how important it is it to foster that in our children in a time when the children's psyches are really being wiped out? Yeah. Well, I mean, masks was the first introduction to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think my my mom asked me this question recently. She said, you know, um, if you could go back, you know, as me to teach you something differently than what we did as parents, what, mm-hmm. what would that be? And I said, I think I would try to reserve, to remove the limitation that was placed on me. And I said, I don't know if that was you as parents. I think it was society, but I was living in this bubble of a rural town and I didn't know about the big wide world. I remember the first time, the very first Rumi poem I ever heard was called In the Ark of Your Mallet. As soon as I read it, I knew that I was different. You know what I mean? Yeah. in the Ark of Your Mallet was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever read. And when I when I took that in, I said, Whatever, wherever this came from, I'm a part of that. Yeah. I, it was a resonance. You I know? love Rumi. Yes. And so um, there's music that I heard in very similar ways. There's artwork that I saw for the first time. I remember Jean-Michel Basquiat is one of my favorite painters. And oh, you know, that's interesting you mentioned that. Because yeah. I saved, a, I never knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And I saved a documentary about his life. Yeah. And it's on my watch list. Yeah. Now the, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's great. There, it's the, the child, the radiant child. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, really, really great stuff. But um, when I, I got, when I was in Pittsburgh, I went to the Warhol Museum and I saw Warhol and Basquiat paintings in person for the first time, like live in person. And I was just so moved. They're so big and so full of life. And it was just so neat to see that. So I was telling my mom, if I would have been exposed, like for me, that was high school and be like almost out of high school and beyond into my life when that 
when I started getting into all that. If I would have been exposed to that in the beginning, I think I would have had less of a limitation, less fear. I would have been more inspired and more connected. But I grew up dyslexic. And so with dyslexia, I was told that I couldn't do things. I would never be like other people. I was put into this box and there was this limit of just like give up on stuff. You're not going to be like everyone else, you mm. know? And I think that's what I was telling mom. That Thank when, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told mom when I got exposed to Rumi and, and Jean-Michel and, you know, all these bands and music, um, it just expanded like, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And it gave me the ability to push past those limitations and to dream and to be hopeful. And I think if I would have had that more early on, I, who knows what would have happened. But I think it's, you know, I ran a nonprofit for 10 years working with underserved kids uh, with music and art. And the reason that I believed in that so much was how freeing it was for me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to provide that for the same people in a rural, small town. And we did that. You know, we, um, I, I went back to my hometown for a few months before I moved out to California just to kind of regroup. And, and when I was at the grocery store one day, this woman came up to me and she goes, Ian? And I said, yeah. And she said, you look really different. And I said, thanks. <laughs> and she, she's like, I thought that was you. And so she said, you know, my kid went to college. Um, he struggled with his sexuality. Uh, he went to college and had a good life you know he's he's got a real job he's functioning in the world and he's still playing music and it was because of homemade genius you know the nonprofit that i did oh great and you know it was just neat uh to have that echo come back where you you know you don't know a lot of those kids you work with you know where they are in the world now but it was just such a neat thing to have that and to know that that time period meant something you know, to to some of those kids that we, you know, worked with like that. But I hope, you know, for their sake, that it helped remove some of that limitation for them. Well, you brought something up inside of me that I think is really important. And that is, you know, it's a very good question that your mother asked, Ian, if I heard you right, what, what, what would you recommend I had have done differently? Was that the yeah, question? Yeah, basically, yes. Okay, so here's what came to me. Mm-hmm. This is for all of you listening. Yeah. Ask yourself, what would I say to my mother or my father if they asked me, what would you like me to have done differently? Yeah. And then answer the question for yourself, and then remember that child is still alive in you. Yeah. And go do it. Mm-hmm. Go do it. Right. Give it to yourself. If, you're, if you wanted your mom to give you more freedom, then give yourself more freedom. If you wanted your mom to be less judgmental, Quit being so judgmental of yourself. Yeah. If you wanted your mom to not force you to do homework, then don't accept obligations that you don't want to accept. Right. Be brave enough to say, no, I, I don't have the time in my life. Because a lot of people cannot say no, yeah. especially a lot of women, because they're so used to mothering that they can't shut the mothering button off. So they say yes to everybody, but then they start silently resenting the people that they love and I found that behind many cases of breast cancer. Um, but the, the, the thing that I think is important for all of us to remember is that the, wherever our child got wounded, that child is still inside of us, but it's wearing an adult body now. Yeah. And the same fears and inhibitions and insecurities exist until we say, well, what would my mother and father have done differently that might have set me free? And then give it to yourself. I think that's one of the most 
amazing gifts that we can all give ourselves right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember um, Tony Robbins had a documentary called um, I'm Not Your Guru. Yes, and there was yeah. a there was a scene in that where there was a young woman who was talking about her father being a drug addict and that he let her down and, you know, they had a hard time with it. And so he said to her, you look very fiery and driven. And he's like, you look really determined. And he said, I think it's really important that you also, the other side of that coin, give gratitude for that situation because it's part of what made you who you are. You seem really strong and confident in yourself and really determined. And when I'd have these talks with my mom, my mom will always say like, I'm very different than my sisters. And uh, she'll say, you know, I enjoy having these conversations with you. We can, we can talk, (laughs) we can talk about anything. And, uh, you know, I I always make it really um, a point to my mom that, you know, I'm a very loving person, you know, just have a big heart. And, I know that comes from my mother. You know, my mom was such a lover and such a lover of her kids and community. I saw her pour herself into people in the community. And my mom was the kind of person that my sister would call and say, mom brought someone home from the hardware store and now he's doing work at her house. And I don't think she should have that person in there. And I'll call my mom and she'll say, I just felt real, you know, connection to this man and he's struggling and needed some work. So I gave him some work. And I was like, do you, you, you feel good? You feel safe? And she's like, yeah. And so I told my, my sister, like, mom's an adult woman. She's, you know, doing her thing. And you have to trust that just like, you know, you're doing things that she might disagree with. And mm-hmm. she has to, you know, you're an adult woman too. And so, but I think that I always learned to follow my heart from my mom. Like my mom was just someone who always followed her heart. And I think mm-hmm. she's very sensitive where if you, critiqued her and said this could have been done different then she thinks everything is is uh not right and i'm like no 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 there's these amazing things and and i said i have these issues too i have these great things about me and have these things that are shortcomings or you know baggage or whatever and it's a journey like we're all working on it together Mm -hmm. and i think these tools these magical tools that are at our disposal are there at all times it's just us getting out of the way you know, to, to yeah. allow them to come through. Yeah, I think that's the key thing is it's us getting out of the way. Yeah. I think part of the disease the world has right now is everybody's waiting for somebody else to fix it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Big government. They're waiting for yeah. the politician. <laughs> they're looking for the right guy. Yeah. You know, many people I've heard say, uh, we want Elon Musk to run for president. Well, I think he's probably smarter than that because he knows there's no such thing as a president. It's just a whole game. Yeah. But... The point is, is, is we need to become our own president, yes, and our own cabinet, mm-hmm. and our own support system. And you know, that might sound a little lonely, but I got news for you: birds of a feather flock together. You start painting, and and then next thing you know, you bring your friends over, and they're painting together. Like right over there, if you look over there, I don't know if I showed you that before. That great big canvas. Yeah, I had a hundred and ten people at my sixtieth birthday party. And most of them got involved in that painting. I brought everybody in here. I said, at some point, paint something for me. Yeah. And I had little kids in here. I had 70-year-olds in here. I had everybody. 70 sounds old. That's not far off. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. Thank God I still got a kid inside of me. Yeah. Kicking the geriatric out the door. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, so I, I think... Um, if there's anything that, that 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 you've reminded me in this podcast, it's it's to be my own government, 
let my kid come home, take responsibility for my magic, and don't be afraid to be original, and don't worry about it if it's not perfect, because if it was perfect, that'd be the end. Yeah. What would you do after that? Well, you know what's interesting about that is one of my friends had a conversation with me. He's a uh, uh, musician, and he makes music. And he sat with me when I was making music one day, and he said, dude, you've made six, maybe seven songs today while I've been sitting here. And I said, yeah. And he said, so why do you only put out this amount? And I said, well, I'm, I create this amount, and then I really narrow it down in those creations of the channelings and work with what I'm going for for the energies, and all of it comes through, and it's a filter process. Mm. But I said, instead of I said you, he was like, it takes me six months to create a song, and I said, because you're getting hung up on what the end product is going to be. And mm. I told him the thing, like in the secret, the documentary. One of the things that uh, Neil Donald Walsh talked about was the headlights. I think it was Neil Donald, or it was either um, Jack Canfield, one of them, mm-hmm. was saying like, it's the headlights that you can see as far as you can see in the dark. And it's like, this is the headlights give you the ability to see here. Yeah. And if you could see all the way down there, you might not keep going. Right. But just seeing this little bit in front of you, you're able to keep keep moving forward. And I said, that's kind of the mentality I have in the studio is this feels good right now. I'm going to stick to this. I might go back and change this later, but I'm mm. not going to worry about that right now. Right now, I'm just getting down the channeling that's coming through, and I'll go back and revise it later, tighten it up, make it what it needs to be. But I let the channeling come through free flow, you know? Mm. And so that's the difference is you're, the, the channel's coming into you, and you're squeezing it down because you want it to be perfect right from the start. Mm-hmm. And I said, here's the thing that I've learned. I put so much into pieces of songs and I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then I'm like, hey, do you guys like that? They're like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. And the thing that I really struggled with, like putting out, I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to put this track out, but I'm not really a great, I'm not, it's not my best work. And I put that out and then I'll have tons of emails and people, per, you know, messaging me on Facebook or Instagram. I love this track. This track was amazing. And so what I'm trying to say is we don't know. Well, sometimes it's also paradoxically coming through you, but not for you. Right. Meaning you're tapping into the collective unconscious and playing music for people. So certainly if someone's got an imbalance that you don't have, you're going to create something for that imbalance. And it may not even sound appealing to you, but you know that that's what they need. Right. You know, so I think the responsibility you have as a healing musician is to sometimes get yourself out of the way exactly and let yeah. the medicine come through yeah and instead of asking do i like that i wonder who that's for right yeah and i think it helps that whole perfection cuz that that idea of perfection comes from ego right yeah. wanting to be loved and everyone to like everything that you're doing and as a creator like sometimes it's not about that sometimes it's about triggering people or inspiring people months later after they've heard a piece of music from you you know yeah hi everybody i hope you're enjoying the show i imagine you know that magnesium is one of the minerals that people in North America are the most efficient in, but it's an extremely important mineral to have in your diet regularly. And believe it or not, Bioptimizers has improved what was already well known to be the best magnesium formula out there called Magnesium Breakthrough. 
So I've got Wade Lightheart with me to explain what it is they've done to improve this already excellent formula. Wade, what is new about your new mag breakthrough formula? Well, it's called sucrosomial magnesium. So we have seven different types of magnesium in magnesium breakthrough because they're uptaken by different parts of the body. But a new type of magnesium has been created called sucrosomial. And what it shows in the research and science is that it's actually even more absorbable by the body, particularly inside of the brain, which is a big aspect uh, to enhance neurotransmitter formation, as well as ensuring the rest and relax response in the nervous system that a lot of people will take magnesium for. They find it, you know, clocks them down, helps them sleep better, allows for the relaxation of striated and smooth muscle tissue in the body, which creates an energetic relief. And so when we added sucrosomial, we were able to demonstrate inside our lab facility that we were able to get better improvements. Of course, we have a partnership with the Birch International University. We have some patents we're working on, uh, which will kind of relay some of these things. But sucrosomial was a no-brainer when we added to the formula, improved the results or improved the uptake. And the reports back from our testing team were like, wow, this we get more results with less caps. And that's always the goal for our company. That's excellent. I love it. I, I always say, and people have probably heard me say it before, I just am so amazed how you guys are constantly and always improving and working your best to not only make better products for us, but it doesn't seem to me that it gets more expensive as you make them better. So that's a real gift to the world. Thank you. Here comes the best part. The makers of Magnesium Breakthrough by Optimizers are having a Black Friday special offer from November 21st to the 29th. You can get not only Magnesium Breakthrough, but all of Bioptimizers' excellent products with 25% off. Just go to Bioptimizers, that's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash living 4D. That's living number four little d. So Bioptimizers dot com forward slash living 4D and enter the code Paul10 on checkout to get 25% off any order. This is the best time to stock up on the products you love and try new ones. All Bioptimizer supplements are amazing and do exactly what they say they will, which as you know, is unusual in the supplement industry. If for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund. No questions asked. They are so confident they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee on any of their products. Hey, if you've arrived here late, and missed the special offer, don't worry, there's always a chance for a 10% offer for any of my listeners using the code PAUL10, P-A-U-L in lowercase with a 10, all stuck together. But if you've arrived just in time, again, the link to go for the exclusive Black Friday offering starting November 21st is bioptimizers.com forward slash living number four little d with the checkout code PAUL10. Do it while supplies last and don't miss the November 29th deadline. One of the things you, you wanted to touch on, which we can just do a little discussion of here, is that you, you talk about the importance of being aware of and taking responsibility for our own individual frequency. Yeah. Do you want to, you know, maybe bring that into a concise type of explanation so that everybody can understand that? Yeah. 
Well, I think like we all have those friends, right? Like the person who's real heavy and um, talking negatively and everything, the world's out to get them and they come into a room and they affect the room. Like yeah. people pick up on that. Mm-hmm. But we also have the friend who's happy-go-lucky. Everything they do is gold and they're excited. You know, my friend Joe over here. Attitude <laughs> determines altitude, <laughs> yeah. they say. Yeah, and just really happy about life. And I think they inspire and and... Uh, affect people in those ways but now so we notice that in other people externally but for us as an individual like getting real with ourselves and saying you know and like all of us have this this, these moments sometimes we're in alignment sometimes we're out of alignment sometimes we're not even thinking about the alignment but I think the personal frequency that we carry is it what we want to be putting out into the world the vocabulary we're talking to ourselves is affecting that frequency, the food we're eating, the media we're taking in, the music we're listening to, um, all of that is affecting our frequency. And I think I just wanted to touch on how 20 minutes a day, you know, just some breath work, basic breath work, doesn't even have to be complex. We don't have to get into fire breath or, you know, just basic. Just pay attention to your breath. Yeah, conscious breath, you know, with with just a pause, you know, Dr. Quiet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and then adding some music and uh, frequency music and some meditation 20 minutes a day. Uh, I mean, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night, just to get started. And like people in a week and two weeks time seeing major shifts in how they feel. And I think the biggest thing is how they react, things that come in to them. Are they overreacting? Are they, you know, finding themselves pulled out of center and becoming a person? Like you said, the whole God-devil thing. Someone mm. disagrees and then the devil comes out of them, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, I just wanted to talk about, like, the potential of just such a short practice creating a change in a person's frequency that they're affecting the world through that, you know. That, but that this is the person changing the, their own frequency. Their own frequencies, yeah. yeah. So that they're not dependent on someone else to do it. Right. And and for me, that's why you see drums and musical instruments all over my office. Yes. Because sometimes I just like, I need to do a state shift. I love my great big drum over by the, yeah. you know, my guest room where you're sleeping because it's so powerful. I mean, you hit that thing two or three times and it just like rocks every atom in your body and I can do war dances and I can <laughs> do the sound of Mother Earth's heartbeat and what else? And and my buddy Jason Picard turned me onto those nice soft drumsticks, and it really changes the, makes it much more feminine. But the point being is, is that you know, I personally try to take responsibility for um, picking myself up if I need it. You know, like I can't sit for more than two or three hours uh, at my computer because. My body doesn't like it, so oftentimes I'll I'll go outside and lay on the rocks and roll my spine on the stones and let the sunshine hit me. Sometimes I go take my shoes off and walk my meditation trail, which you guys did this morning. Nice trail, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. And so that you know that's like a fifteen minute walk, and I just slow walk and let my breathe my breath time to my steps. Another simple exercise I learned from Doctor Oliver, um, who used to teach our HLC program with us, is go for a walk and for one minute focus on the sounds coming in through your left ear and really direct your attention to your left ear 
Then for another minute, focus on the sounds coming into your right ear. And by the time you do that two or three times, it balances your left and right brain hemispheres. Wow. And it can create a state shift within three or four minutes. Wow. And I've done it with my students many times. And they just, the most common comment, I say, how do you feel now? They say, I feel open. Mm, you that's know? awesome. And I think that's important because so much of the issues of the day, the bad news, the, you know, whatever it is, the stress of the day, it pushes us into our fight or flight left brain reactions and we lose touch with the wholeness that the right brain offers us. So drumming, chanting, singing, toning, humming. I mean, God, if even if you're in an elevator full of people, you can still hum. Yeah. And, um, you know, just these little things that are, that are, they seem insignificant, but they're not. They're really not, right? you know, and what's not insignificant is that if you're acting in your own best interest, not only is it good for you, but it's good for everybody that you're in a relationship with. Right. And by bringing your vibration up, you're inherently going to bring their vibration up because, you know, everybody's affecting everybody else. There's no way around it. Um. What what is it that you're working on right now? And um yeah, where's your passion at right now? Yeah, so I met your girlfriend, so Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Now that that's the embodiment of God right there. Yeah, she's amazing. Well you deserve it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I'll I'll have empathy for you when you're tired all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm working on uh, workplace wellness. Um, we are, our music's being utilized at Cliff Bar, and they're using it with their employees um, to help create more productivity and focus, but also just overall relaxation and creating a new company culture of like um, connectedness, joy, um, and just you know, relaxed states, you know, yeah. so that that work can flow and get in that flow state much easier. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we're growing that program and working with companies because like the creative output for creating an album every month, you know, it's like every month I have that pressure of like creating something new and exciting that's engaging people. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go into a creative space to create that. And so I really thought that the workplace would be a great place to tackle not only stress. You well, you know, know people are going to be there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're always going to get some <laughs> some action because there's people at work or yeah. it's not work. Yeah, it's true. And so, yeah, so basically the workplace wellness, we're growing that, um, working with other companies and uh, utilizing the music at the workstations, creating events that are inspiring engagement with mindfulness activities. And That's then, fantastic. So, yeah. so any any employer uh, could join? Is this a program they can buy or how does it work? Yeah, there's a program with three different tiers and they can pick the level of engagement that they want to, you know, take, take on. And basically we just work with the companies to help create overall joy, a new culture and uh, work on focusing. Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, we're allowed to do that. It's not that. illegal? No. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> you might want to get as many contracts as you can because um, they're trying to outlaw joy yeah. <laughs> and freedom and sovereignty and art and music and dance and 
about everything else. So yeah. I'd say we better listen to Smile. I mean, I do mean listen to Smile. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the name of Ian's company, if you haven't picked that up yet. Yeah. And just so he doesn't forget, he has it written on the window of his car. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, so the workplace wellness and then the personal frequency coaching, just like what we were talking about, working with individuals to learn and understand, uh, have more knowledge around sound healing, mm-hmm. working on creating custom tracks uh, like we did for Jason and so- several other people, creating mm-hmm. custom tracks that really help uh, those people with breakthroughs or stagnant energy. Um, and the reason I think that's so important is binaural beats are so powerful, but mm-hmm. I feel personally, I feel like when you customize a binaural beat for a person based on their listening experience of the music they take in, and then also the level threshold of pain they're in, or they're engaged, like someone who's more subtle, new to binaural beats, they need something a little more sensitive and, you know, not as, uh, as loud, but also the way it's, it's balanced and the speakers left and right. Um, it's just really, it's just a customized approach to that. And that's what the personal frequency coaching is. So those two things are the areas that I'm really passionate about right now. Um, mm. But I'm also, we're growing, our affiliate program is in nine different countries now. Thanks to, you know, you and your podcast, we grew into like four new countries, I think, last time we were here. And, um, that's just, good. Yeah, it's really cool. So we... You hear uh, that? Sponsors, we're doing good. <laughs> so... So, yeah, so we um, have just been growing the affiliate program and, um, you know, working on those three areas of focus right now. Yeah, so uh, you you got the work wellness program? Workplace wellness. Workplace wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, And you said there's three tiers to that? Yes. And so uh, is it listening to Smile for that one too? Yeah. Listeningtosmile.com? Listeningtosmile.com. So if you want to look into how to you know, really enhance your employees so they're more grounded, centered, focused, hemispheres balanced in the brain, productive, healing. I imagine it's helping them heal a lot yeah. of stuff too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, then then you have that option. And then there's the subscription, which is the monthly subscription for the individual. Yeah, so it's, it's basically um, people can work with the music at home through the wellness series. Right. And so they can purchase that and they get the reduced price through the check-ins, the 40, living, uh, 40, po- yeah. living 40 podcast. And then, so that's an individual personal level. And then if they want the monthly albums, which are exclusive to the membership program, then they'll sign up for the membership program. They'll get a reduced price uh, for that as well. And they basically will get a new, they'll get two free albums when they sign up and then they get an album every month that's in line with the astrology and it's only available through the membership program. And then you've got your program for anyone that wants to use music to heal for like others like a therapist yeah that's the that's the member program that's though they can use that that okay the ability the license to use it commercially right because that's what we're doing through the check institute we're setting that up yeah that's good Mm -hmm. um and and for those of you that are in any of the healing arts massage therapy even personal training all of them right yeah um it's a really great excuse me setup because ian's got a whole library of music and you can take his course. It's part of the program, is it, when you sign up, the yeah. course? Mm-hmm. So then you learn how to select the music for the individual based on key criteria. And so you can basically prescribe the right vibrational medicine, is what it really is, yeah. for 
your individual, which when you're working with people that have things like Crohn's disease, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, um, uh, you know, metabolic syndrome, any of these kind of chronic things which are rampant out there, diabetes, the ability to prescribe somebody a harmonizing medicine that they can use on their own time, anytime, really extends your therapy. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. now it's not just, you know, I'm seeing them for an hour once a week, twice a week. Now that they're they're that my therapy program, i.e. me, if I was using your music, I can, I can extend it so that they're actually you know, carrying out. And I think what's important about too is because that's an act of self-responsibility. Yeah. The individual is actually participating in their own healing just by choosing the music, choosing to listen to the music that the therapist or the, whoever has the, the, the person that you've trained and the, the training program is how long and it's online, right? So that, that training program is that course that you're talking about is different. That's what we're going to do through the check-ins too. The, they're going to get an orientation uh-huh. for the, the membership program and they, they have the license to use it in a commercial practice and then they'll have bare bones, basic, uh, introduction to sound healing okay and then they also get tech support so basically any question about sound or if they have a question about working with a client with a specific frequency they have an email and and ultimately a phone number that they can call and get help with and so you might call and say what do i do with this person who's got uh just recovered from a heart attack right it's not technical like um, my my cd player broke right no there's even that as well oh yeah yeah so they can get like PA, like if they're using a PA system and they have a question about that. Um, so we try really hard to be some of the tech, like people using Zoom, they'll say, how do I play the music directly into the Zoom? And so we like go into detail. Uh, ex- yes, explain. Okay. Yeah, so they get both sides of that in that tech support. You must have some smart help. Yeah, I do. I'm lucky that I have some help with that. And then um, the, the other thing is, um, so the course is actually getting into working with like hypnotherapists, life coaches, people that are wanting to, that are working with clients on a one-on-one basis. We even have some neuroscientists that are interested in this because they understand the brain waves, yeah. but they don't understand the music side of interacting. So they want to add that as a part of their you know work. So yeah, so basically that course that we're going to be doing through the Institute will be four weeks. Mm. And it's basically, um, it's going to be uh, an, a library that is dedicated to the use of that program. So they'll be the only ones that have those tracks. It's, mm. it's dedicated to that program. And then they're going to also have the ability to um, learn how to record voiceovers and mix professionally like with the the limits of you know the home computer so they might do like a prayer and then put choose music to go with it yeah they'll take music from the library that they have and then put their voice over it and then they can sell that custom track to their client they have the the ability to that's do a that. cool addition yeah. yeah it's really cool i like that a lot yeah because that does really extend the therapy yes it does. now the therapist is with you it's something that's connecting the patient and the therapist the the uh uh, practitioner with their client at home now mm-hmm. you know it's really cool yes may the force be with you <laughs> thanks so uh what's the discount offerings for the workplace it's five percent five percent off the total the program yes and um the ch- the code is living 4d living 4d yes mm-hmm. very good code yeah
And then the music for the personal subscription. If yeah, if they buy the albums for home use, they get thirty percent off. Thirty percent off. That's very mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Uh, and again, the code is Living Four D all stuck together. Mm -hmm. And is there another one? The the affiliate program is still Living Four D, and it's thirty percent off as okay, well. Okay, so the affiliate program is for someone that maybe owns a gym and wants to play the music in the gym yes or like a or massage a clinic, therapist right. or a holistic center yeah anyone that wants to use the music in a clinical way or a professional way and then they're going to also gain being able to sell the music and create other revenue streams from that as well perfect what yeah. a what a what a great important dialogue we've had today yeah this was awesome. And uh, sharing and uh, exciting time in your life. I know things are booming. I'm, I'm really grateful that my podcast was able to put wind in your sails because, you know, I mean, I was so impressed with your music when I first found it. I'm like, wow, you know, if this guy's not a multimillionaire, he should be because this is like the real deal. <laughs> and um, so it's just nice to see people responding you know and yeah and, and I, I think the people that listen to my, well i don't think i know the people that listen to my podcast are they're a, a different breed than most podcasts and i know that because i can see what they buy i right. can see you know what they're attracted to and what guests they respond to and so the beautiful th it gives me a lot of confidence to know that there's that many people out in the world that are open-minded and willing to look at both sides of issues and explore and heal and grow and contribute. And so um, thank you, all of you, because we, we got to do this together. And I think one of the most important things that came out of this uh, conversation for me today was just a reminder of the importance of the fact that the children are our future. And what's happening to the kids right now is devastating. But it's up to us to not let it happen. Right. It's just up to us. Yeah. And, you know, that means unplugging video games and handing kids a pair of rattles and a drum. Yeah. And doing things or a piece of paper and some colors or go out in the backyard and stack some rocks, but do something that's good for the kid that unplugs them from this highly elaborate, very technologically advanced brainwashing equipment. Yeah. And um, the other thing that I think is important from our conversation today is for all of us to remember, if we asked our mom and if our, if our mother or father asked us what would they would like us to have done differently, then we should answer the question and begin to do it for ourselves immediately. Yeah. Because the number of people that walk around with poor me, my mommy, and my daddy did this to me so I can't have this or nobody loves me or you know blah 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 I mean that's that's the you know the victim archetype full on um, I think if we recognize that our mom and dad did the best they could with what they had in the circumstances of their life the training they had the stresses they were under the pain that they were working through but every one of them gave us the gift of life yeah. And if you're able to sit and listen to this podcast, and I know you're alive and your mom and dad gave you the gift of life. And, you know, um, there's a lot of things I don't see eye to eye with my mother on. Um, my, my father died when I was eight, so um, him and I agree on most everything now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my mother, as you know, she's a, an incredible sculptor. You can see her sculptures all over the place. And 
she's very good at crafts and and you know my mom showed me what happens when you really pour your heart into what you're doing and uh she showed me that anything's possible because my god if there's a woman that had one hell of a tough life it was my mom and so when i look at what my mother's able to create and what she gave me it makes it more it's more um it's more easy for me to let my mother have the differences that she has with me, even when they, you know, might be challenging in, in my relationship. I just, instead of focusing on, you know, the negative or the f- challenging stuff, I say, well, you know what? I got to remember my mom gave me life. She taught me how to get a job done. She taught me how to be creative. And uh, without her, I couldn't be on this podcast with you. Yeah. So, I, I've always done my best to say, okay, mom, I'm going to take what you give me and I'm going to, I'm going to work that clay the best I can and see what I can sculpt out of it. I think if all of us just, you know, there's that magician again, right? Yeah. Don't, don't worry about whether you're good enough or not with the clay, start shaping the nose and if, put a smile on the face and put some cool ears on there and, and get rocking. And um, I'm sure that, the kids will probably think it's just as fantastic as the little kid inside of you. So it's a matter of just getting involved in life. Really, I, pe- people have to realize life is not a spectator sport. Yeah, it's it's like we, you know we're all in it, and if you're not playing, then you're you're really just rotting. Yeah, I think it's time for us all to flower before the rotting gets too advanced and. Um, I'm grateful for your music. I can tell you that. I love it. And uh, I'm grateful for you. Thanks, man. And I'm grateful for the journey you've made because, you know, you've certainly gone through a lot of pain that really shaped your music. Yeah. And you know the old saying, how do you make a diamond? Pressure, pressure, (laughs) pressure. So I think if a lot of us realize that the pressures in our life are actually opportunities to convert us from coal into something special but we got to participate in it, right? Yeah. We're all diamonds. It's just, we got to do some polishing mm-hmm. and telling yourself that you don't sound good when you sing or you don't sound good when you make music. That's not polishing. Right. That's giving up. Mm-hmm. I say dance and sing your heart away, you know? So thank you to all my sponsors and thank you to all of you. And, and thank you to all the sponsors for making such amazingly high quality products and, really going out of the way to make your businesses sustainable and contribute to harmony in the world <clears throat> because that's critical. I wouldn't even, <clears throat> I wouldn't be involved in anybody that wasn't doing that. And uh, I look forward to seeing all of you, seeing you metaphorically, but uh, sharing more with you next week. I am always amazed at uh, the cool people I get to do podcasts with and yeah. share and learn from and grow with and, So um, let's all go out in the world and celebrate the kids and be the magician, make some music, and if you haven't been getting enough exercise, then just dance in your car while you drive, man, because a lot of people thought I was having an epileptic seizure while I was driving down the road, (laughs) buggy into something, you know, (laughs) my whole car rocking around, you know, I think I'd probably get everybody dancing. Anyhow, lots of love. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, 
Ian Morris. You can find Ian and his music on Instagram and Facebook at Listening to Smile. Visit Ian's website, listeningtosmile.com, for special listener discounts off his music and programs using the promo code LIVING4D. Save 30% off digital albums and 30% off the special affiliate music program for health and wellness professionals that includes support, training, and new music each month. There is also the Listening to Smile Workplace Wellness Programs, where you can save 5% by using the code LIVING4D. Also available are personal frequency coaching sessions for your own customized sound healing experience. You can find Paul on Instagram and TikTok at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with paulcheck. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at czechinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and learn more about the Czech Academy. You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at czechinstitute.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.